This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, August 19th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. This is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the My Pillow Family just dropped the Air Lindell 2s last week. They are amazing. Mine are en route via U.S. Postal. And uh, I'll be doing a full review once I get them. If you're more of a morning person, we all know my coffee recently dropped as well. And a promo code steak at checkout, you get big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak. Anything sleep related. MyStore.com forward slash steak for everything else. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear in the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, got more money, more problems, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the trades and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. New the redesign, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, backs to blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair, home of the Zero Fucks Duck, can be found at Dumpbox. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take us to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank Speech, and now via our verified account on True Social. Welcome, Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 162. I'm Roan. 
Noah's back. Yo. Antoinette's going to be joining us in just a bit. Guys, we've got a great show lined up for you today. Big majority of the Michigan ticket will be coming in, sitting down with us for the first time. In addition to that, we're going to have a little state exclusive with Georgia Republican senatorial candidate Herschel Walker. Before we get into any of that, let's jump right into the news. going on noah oh you know here we are welcome back it's good to be back we are here i don't know if you heard but uh liz cheney's out yeah forever (laughs) fantastic yeah so big primary this week we had wyoming alaska both go down looks like all the trump endorsed america first candidates obviously harriet hagman is ending liz cheney's career and Kelly Chewbacca and Sarah Palin both advanced in their new weird jungle-ish top four whatever primaries they got going on in Alaska. It seemed like in the year where Lisa Murkowski was going to get primary, they changed the rules to make sure she makes it to the finals. No, Gotta love changing the rules. Gotta love it. Um, but the good news is Kelly Chewbacca was a hair behind her in the total vote turnout, but when you look at the rest of the ticket... There's a lot of votes to pull from to unify behind uh, Kelly before the general election. I think you're going to see Murkowski's going to run out of mail-in votes at some point up there. And, uh, you know, because Alaska's so big and remote, they're still counting technically. But uh, great showings. I, I saw there was close to 200,000 people that voted in uh, the first and second place contenders for the Senate race up there in Alaska. And uh, that's just big. You can't You can't discredit that because uh you know in a place like alaska you don't expect half a million people to show up day of voting yeah that's pretty good for alaska i mean you probably gotta take a little bit of a hump to get to a polling station you certainly do and uh but you know we're, we're going to be talking about a couple different things that are that are finally going away uh f- starting off firstly with liz cheney and then we're going to have some other news regarding some of our other not friends but um uh, let's hear her she jumped on with uh well non-America first enjoyer Laura Ingram shortly after her big win on Fox News to uh, talk about it. Let's hear. Joining me now is Harriet Hageman, the Wyoming congressional candidate who just defeated Liz Cheney. Harriet, first of all, congratulations. I remember talking to you before you decided uh, you were going to throw your hat in the ring for real. Uh, And now, you know, you got it, girl. You're the uh, you're the, going to be the nominee for the party, and uh, I can't imagine you won't be the next uh, congresswoman from the great state of Wyoming. Well, thank you, Laura. It's wonderful to be back with you. We started this a, a year ago, or about 11 months ago, and here we are with all of the hard work and the support of the great people across the state of Wyoming and all of our volunteers and supporters. We've been able to succeed. Um, did Liz Cheney call you and congratulate you? How was the tone of that conversation? I haven't had an opportunity to visit with her. We have been kind of wrapped up in in all of the stuff associated with what's going on downstairs with our watch party. As you can imagine, we have uh, several hundred people downstairs ready to celebrate who've been celebrating. And so I have not been able to uh, even look at my phone. So I don't know if she's called or not. Uh, So I don't really have anything to report on that. Oh, that's interesting. Did did you happen to hear that Part of her speech was a continued vow, Harriet, to make sure Donald Trump never steps foot in the White House (laughs) after what happened on January 6th. 
which was not, I guess, not surprising that she said that. But your reaction tonight? Well, again, I have not had a an opportunity to even see or hear what she had to say because I've been kind of focused on what's going on here. It doesn't surprise me that she would revert to those same old talking points because that's really in large part what, are, what got her defeated. She's not focusing on Wyoming. She's not focusing on our issues. She's still focusing on an obsession about President Trump. And the citizens of Wyoming, the voters of Wyoming, sent a very loud message tonight. We have spoken, and that is not what we are interested in in terms of our lone congressional representative. Wyoming is entitled to have a representative that represents our interests, that listens to us, that addresses our issues. That isn't Liz Cheney, and the fact that that's where she went back to with her speech tonight, I think demonstrates that she really isn't listening to Wyoming now. She hasn't for quite some time, and that's why we needed to replace her. We need to have a representative in Wyoming who listens to us. And Harriet, when I was lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time in Wyoming in July, the things that I heard most often from folks there were inability to get workers, the cost of fuel, and the cost of just basic living, rent and food. No one was focusing on Trump. That I, I don't think anyone I talked to, that wasn't top of mind. No, inflation. Illegal immigration and protection of our energy jobs are the issues that are the most important to Wyoming. And accountability. We actually expect our representatives to represent our interests. I've said that a couple of times now, but that's what I heard so much on the campaign trail. So uh, I'm excited. Thank you for having us. It's a, it's a wonderful evening. Harriet, congratulations. We can't wait to see what the future holds for you. You worked hard this campaign. We really appreciate it. Mm. She's rock solid. Yeah, it was a nice way of saying I haven't gotten a call. Mm. There's no way you're not looking at your phone. It was initially reported and then confirmed that the call from Liz Cheney to Harriet Hagman did go out. And uh, apparently the voicemail was, hi, Harriet, it's Liz, and then a hang-up. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of where we were at with, uh, you know... And I saw a lot of people out there, there's a lot of bots and, and trolls on social media who were throwing out those stats. Oh, everybody knows Liz Cheney voted with Donald Trump over 90% of the time when he was the president. That's fine. Mm -hmm. We also know that Liz Cheney also won Wyoming in her last House race two years ago by uh, over 70%. Mm -hmm. But when you decide to vote for impeachment and then co-chair the January 6th committee, it doesn't matter what your voting record is. You've no. turned your back on... Uh, you know, this nationalist populist movement, the MAGA movement and, and President Trump. So yeah, I thought it was, it was it's pretty funny that people like to kind of go out there and throw out those quirky stats. But at the end of the day, it, it has nothing to do with that and everything to do with uh, what have you done for me lately? It's not much. We'll, we'll hear portions of that right now. I'm going to play two uh, clips from Liz Cheney's concession speech before we get into her day after rolling out her. Well, I don't want to tease it too much, but presidential forecast platform Oop. yeah we're there all right let's hear uh crying liz years ago i won this primary with 73 percent of the vote i could easily have done the same again the path was clear mm. but it would have required that i go along with president trump's lie about the 2020 election it would have required that i enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. Mm. 
I have to dust off the garrison button for her. Like, who who, who are these people that are watching this? Uh, it was the tens of people that showed up for her concession speech. And I'm not even joking, it was tens. And a lot of them were, like, Democrats that were just happy she lost, probably. She also made a pretty bold comparison, though. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but let's uh, get you queued up. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed, he saved our union, and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Speaking at Gettysburg of the great task remaining before us, Lincoln said that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people God. shall not perish from this earth. Like, how are you going to use a quote like that when our government is none of those things right now? By the people, for the people. Like, you can't, you can't say our government's for the people. No, not like, at the moment. I mean, it's for auditing the people. Well, no, I, I just saw it. Actually, you know, let me let me jump over to Twitter real quick because I actually just shared it. Uh, they're projecting again, believe it or not. So apparently Joe Biden's going to be uh, heading a, let's see, what were they calling it? It was like, I don't know, domestic terrorism. Domestic violent extremism. Conference. Uh, I want to get the exact name. I have it right here. Joe Biden to headline anti-extremism conference. Mm. He will be hosting a conference combating racist, anti-democratic, and other extremist threats in September. Less than two months away and right before the midterms. Yeah. Weird. And I'm sure there will be some sort of uh, newsworthy items that are coming to light just in time for that. Well, the best news is for the first time in 55 years, there isn't a Cheney, Bush, McCain, or Clinton working for the federal government right now. Mm. Got to love that. Newsmax came out and led on their morning show the next day talking about some of these key primary things, the political suicide that Liz Cheney basically Epstein herself with when she decided to go against President Trump and the America First movement in, in a state that in the last two election cycles have voted, I believe, over 80% and every county across the board for Donald Trump. Let's hear them kind of weigh in. Not much has changed there. Tom, again, as Nan was pointing out too, Obviously, a member of the J6 committee, something that Republicans have hit on because they didn't have their option to put or appoint rather who they wanted on there. Rather, it was all up to the speaker. And she chose two Republicans and Cheney was one of them. Well, sure, Sean. Uh, what uh, Representative Cheney did essentially was commit political suicide. She joined with Team Democrat and she also joined with the deep state. Look, Cheney did the political equivalent of the raid on Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago. It's all about getting President Trump. And she made a huge mistake because in the 2020 election, Wyoming voted for President Trump at about 70 percent. So she is clearly not representing her constituents. She's re representing, in my view, the deep state. It's not going to work. It's going to backfire on her politically big time. Her next job is an analyst at MSNBC, where she could join the rest of the propagandists. We'll continue to follow that again, that happening tomorrow. Primaries there. Uh, MSNBC. <laughs> um, so 
And then when you want to talk about canvassing across the state of Wyoming, so Harriet Hagman won all but one county. Um, this county that she didn't win, she lost by, like, I believe 1.2%. It's where Liz Cheney has her fake Wyoming residence because she's a, she's a resident of Virginia. And the average median income in this county is $350,000. Uh, so, what? <laughs> right. In, in, in the most bougie county of Wyoming, Liz Cheney eked out a narrow 1.2% victory, but Harriet Hageman swept across the rest of the state and, you know, won by, I believe, 68 percentage points mm. yeah, of the vote there. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's kind of one of those things where she basically did it to herself and, and it, her true colors. Um, you know, shown through, but uh, I do want to kind of follow up on some of those Lincoln relate, re- related remarks she made. Yeah, on concession night because she jumped on a uh, Good Morning Today to talk about it. And uh, here's the thing: she's she's not wanted by anybody. Like the Republicans are done with her, and the Democrats don't want her except for her anti-Trump narrative. But it's not like she's going to be like welcomed with open arms, um, you know, by the Democrat Party because of her past voting record and historical stance of her family. Uh, Let's hear her talking about being honest Abe again. The former president said last night, you're now headed to political oblivion. You said this fight (laughs) is just beginning. You've even uh, launched a political organization already. So let's just be straight about it. Are you considering running for president yourself? Well, what I'm going to do, Savannah, is spend the next several months uh, completing my work in Congress, obviously completing my work representing the people of Wyoming. Uh, We have a tremendous amount of work left to do on the January 6th committee. Uh, And also, though, uh, I'm going to be making sure that people all around this country understand the stakes of what we're facing, understand the extent to which uh, we've now got uh, one major political party, my party, uh, which has really become uh, a cult of personality. And we've got to get this party back to a place where we're embracing the values and the principles on which it was founded uh, and, and talking about, you know, fundamental uh, issues of civics, fundamental issues of what does it mean to be a constitutional republic. But Congresswoman, you didn't answer me yes or no. I will be doing whatever it takes to keep Donald Trump out of the Oval Office. Well, I know you didn't say yes or no, and that's fine if you're Given thinking about it. But are you thinking about they, it? Are you yeah. thinking about running for president? It, uh, that's a decision that I'm going to make in the in the coming months, Savannah. I'm not going to make any announcements here this morning, but uh, but it is something that I uh, I'm thinking about, and I'll make a decision uh, in the coming months. Hmm. I think she's going to fare in a nah, no presidential primary. No head to head matchup with Donald Trump. No, nah. I think uh, if she does run, it'll be hugely backed by money. And the only reason for it at the end of the day will for her to be to get some shots in on the debate stage if she makes it. You know, rigged and stolen election, January 6th, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Trying to overthrow our government. But, yeah, I, I, I just don't know what's going through her head right now. And, and obviously who's advising her. So she could have bit her tongue and got through this election and, and, and made everybody's life miserable for two more years. But she decided not to. I want to play a portion of the of the Hagman victory speech uh, while she was up at the podium after she got off with Laura Ingram addressing her constituents and, uh, you know, her plan to help make Wyoming, well, great again. Wyoming. 
Manning has spoken on behalf of everyone who understands that our government is a government of, by, and for the people. And that we can and do control the levers of power when we engage, when we participate, and when we hold our elected officials accountable for their actions. Wyoming has spoken on behalf of everyone who is concerned that the game is becoming more and more rigged against them. And what Wyoming has shown today is that while it may not be easy, we can dislodge entrenched politicians who believe they've risen above the people they are supposed to represent and serve. I like her. She's uh, beyond solid. Mm Mm-hmm. And looks like she's going to be a firebrand up in uh, Washington, D.C. next year. Because uh, with the way Wyoming votes, she's going to walk to a general election victory in the yeah, fall. Yeah, not going to have much of a fight getting that one. So here's the thing. That wasn't the only news about Happy Trails uh, this week. I don't know if you've heard. They've been rearranging some of the uh, show lineup at CNN. Do tell. Well, we parted ways with Fredo just a few months ago. That's a shame. Jeffrey Tubin was fired on Monday. Mm-hmm. They told him to beat it. Ugh. Brian Stelter was fired yesterday. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Mr. Potato Head's out. What's he going to do now? Well, they canceled his show, and he announced that he's leaving the network. He's going to pursue his dreams of baking himself? <laughs> Humpty Dumpty himself is now looking for employment. Oh, Where do you think he's going to go? Hopefully nowhere. I mean, he's probably going to be some kind of a writer. Uh, you know, it's pretty funny. That's that's a couple big pieces off the progressive left news chessboard. And, and you got you got to wonder like what's going on in the background. Like, why would they? Well, Discovery bought CNN last year, and they said that they wanted to move more towards the middle, and that their narrative was way outside of the yeah normal for what they would consider news. And CNN has basically defiantly done whatever they've wanted and not changed any kind of narrative. How's that working out for you? I don't know. It didn't work out for him too good when he had an author on not too long ago. This is not a brand new clip, uh, but just one of the examples of what was going on there. Now, our all-time favorite is going to be John Coleman, the founder of the Weather Channel, destroying Potato Head on, uh, you know, the fakeness of climate change. But... uh, I think this one was a pretty good, too, as we say, happy trails to Stelter. He has spent most of his administration seeing people on television and immediately calling them. But maybe Um, that's how it works sometimes, huh? I don't want you to think. Is that how it works? That's how you get access? Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, but I don't want you to think that 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 what I said at that point was in any way inauthentic. I think the media has done a terrible job on this. I think you yourself. Um, you know, why you're a nice guy, you know, you're full of sanctimony. Um, you know, you become part of one of the parts of the problem of the media. You know, you come on here and you and you have a, um, um, uh, you know, a monopoly on truth. You know, you know exactly how things are supposed to be done. Um, you know, you are why one of the reasons people can't stand the media. Sorry. <laughs> you're cracking me up. It's your fault. I- it's, uh, it's how, so. What should I do differently, Michael? Don't be a piece of shit. Yeah. 
report the fucking news. Uh, you know, don't talk so much. Listen more. You know, people have genuine problems with 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 the media. The media doesn't get the story right. The media exists in its mm. own bubble. Um, That's true. You know, I agree. You, yeah. you, uh, um, you know, you got to stop. I mean, that last segment that 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 I just had to listen to of all of the people saying <laughs> the same old stuff. Also, you're incredibly repetitive. It's week after week. I mean, you're the flip side of of of, of Donald Trump. Um, you know, fake news, and you say virtuous news. You know, there, there. No, we just figure out what is here. real. I mean, yeah, we. Well, well, figuring out, yeah, figuring out what is real is not so is not so uh, is not so easy. And and right. you know, most people don't want to talk. Turn to Brian Stelter to tell us what's real. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, then why'd you bother coming on CNN a few times this week? <laughs> You know, I, I'm a I'm, I'm a book salesman. <laughs> Michael, I love talking to you. I'm grateful you came on, uh, and I guess let's do it again in four years. Thanks. Not so fast, my friend. Mm, yeah, just like what a weak response. He's just gonna fucking laugh at him and then just like try to condescend him. It got so awkward the way yeah. they were looking at each other. The guy, the guy was even like, I didn't, I didn't want to go down this road. He's like, I don't know, because you don't tell the truth. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I mean, Michael, like their their track record of being completely wrong, or just complete bullshit. Like it, like how can you sit there as a sane person and just be like, no, I've been telling the truth this whole time. Like, there's receipts for, receipts for everything. Yeah, Russia Gate, Spy Gate, yeah, cr- Crossfire Hurricane, yep. Fast and Furious, yep, both volumes of impeachment, mm-hmm. January sixth, yep. Every narrative that they put well, they're out still there. clutching to January six pretty heavy though because they they still think that, and that's the thing. He literally called him on being repetitive, but that is the mo of disinformation. If you want to use the the d word, no, I, I agree, and you know, repeated until it becomes true to the a, general public. FBI raid was going to be what replaced January six because they knew that narrative was tanking, especially at the midterm. Yeah. So Donald Trump notched, or well, I'm sorry, upped his former impeachment voters record to eight out of 10. So everyone that he could have primaried because two have made it through to the general election have been now they're either not running districted out, retired or primaried. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that narrative is not resonating with the American people. Final thoughts on, uh, the cancellation of reliable sources with Brian Ooh. Stelter. Reliable. So reliable. Very reliable. Old reliable. Yeah, I just thought it was good to kind of, you know, as as long as we're saying happy trails to a couple of our least favorite friends this week, we can't forget good old Mr. Potato Head, uh, you know, as we get ready to uh, jump in with our next guest. All right, joining us first on the show today, he is the Trump-endorsed America First senatorial candidate running in the state of Georgia. He's back again on Steak for Breakfast and joining us, Mr. Herschel Walker. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. How's everything going with you, sir? Things are going well. You know, we're out on a campaign trail every day. We're moving around the state of Georgia, letting the people see the different contrasts between Senator Warnock and myself, and letting the people see that I'm the one to represent them in Washington, D.C. So we've just been working. 
Yeah, that's good. We, we have seen you out doing a lot of FaceTime with the constituents. We've, we've seen across the country and through the primary elections, that's one of the key components uh, to the success that you all have had. And, and the biggest part of that is actually meeting with the people and, and getting to understand face-to-face what the real issues are that are affecting them. One of the first ones I wanted to talk to you about, you saw the Inflation uh, redu- well Non-Reduction Act was recently passed and, and signed by Joe Biden, something that's going to continue to... Uh, ruin the economy and in debt the people, the great people of Georgia as well. What are some of the things that you're stumping on right now that's, you know, talking about that vote that Raphael Warnock cast to uh, make sure that that bill got passed? Well, you know, you mentioned it and you talk about the Inflation Reduction Act. You know, that is absolutely terrible because you don't see where they're trying to uh, reduce the inflation. They seem to be continuing to go out and spend money. I think one of the largest things that pops out on a lot of people's mind as I go around the state talking to people is the hire eighty something thousand RS agents. You know, that's eight you know, you're gonna hire that amount of RS agent. And I said I think they don't realize the people are a lot smarter than that. That you're continuing to spend money that you don't have and you're pretending that you're not. And you know, I remember uh watching a interview uh Senator Manchin and he was sort of saying, you know, we're not expecting it to happen like right now, maybe in a couple of years. Well, right now, people can't wait a couple of years. They're looking for something to happen right now. And, and they continue to, and I hate to use this term, lie to the people, to lie to the people that voted them in. I think the people need to know the truth. Right now, this bill is not going to reduce anyone inflation. It's going to really increase inflation. And they're, you're going to end up taxing uh, the middle-class people as well. Don't think they're just going to be taxing someone that make over $400,000. That's not the truth. And I wish they'd start telling the people the truth. Yeah, by the time this bill pass, passes through the appropriations office, they're going to be hitting the economy right around the holidays. And when, you know, the hardworking people of Georgia can't really incur any more uh, rise in the inflation rate in this country. Well, I think that's one of the major things that uh, people don't realize. Now, you know, I'm down right now in my hometown, Wrightsville, Georgia. We're going through our Women for Herschel Coalition Week, and you know, I was talking to some of the people here, and they were talking about that. Right now, you know, this is bike to school. Where family have to uh, buy school clothes, they have to buy things, uh, supplies for the students to go back to school. And the way this economy is right now is, 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 is make it tough for them. Now you're trying to decide that how much you got to spend to put in your car to go to work, how much you got to spend to put in your car to go buy groceries. Groceries are expensive, and it doesn't seem that the people we've elected to office seem to care about it. They continue to do things. They seem to be wrecking this economy, and they seem to not care about it. Yeah, they certainly are. Herschel, one of the things I wanted to touch with you on, I know you're very passionate about it, is how much you back the blue law enforcement. You're a huge supporter of it. We've seen crime spike in some of our historically important cities across the country, New York, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, even in places like Atlanta. Uh, crime has just spiraled out of control. We all know Raphael Warnock, your, your opponent in the general election, has referred to law enforcement as thugs and bullies in the past, and he's also called to defund the police. It seems like that's the opposite direction of where we need to go. We need to be mending the uh, broken bond with law enforcement, empowering them to do their job, and uh, getting them back at the forefront of keeping us safe again. Well, that is the reason I've been telling everyone to go to TeamHerschel.com. Put me in this Senate seat to have someone, a sitting senator, have called our law enforcement, our men and women in blue, bugs and bullies and and thugs and that's that's not right it's not right when right now the recruitment is down the morale is down and i think they be soft on crime the way some of the judges are right now this is not right for our men and women in blue who are working so hard 
And I'm saying that, you know, all law enforcement are not bad people. You know, it's just like any other uh, industry out there, just like any other company. You have bad apples in everywhere. But 99.9% of our men and women in blue are good people. We got to back them. We got to support them. Right now, crime is out of hand. You know, with this being my women coalition, we, they're talking about that. They're talking about how they don't feel safe going to the mall. They don't feel safe that their kids are working in their yard right now, not working in their yard, but playing in their yard, playing in front of their house. I had a young lady earlier this week that talked about in her neighborhood, in a colder site, her two uh, little girls were out walking the dog with two other little neighbors, and a man drove up in a car, tried to uh, kidnap them. And I said, guys, that is not right right now. We have to hold people accountable for the action they do, and we've been soft on crime with these judges. It's not right, and Raphael Warnock is one of the main points of that because he voted with Joe Biden. You have these judges that's going to be soft on crime, these DAs that's going to be soft on crime, and he continued to pretend he wanted to step away from Joe Biden when yet he's voted with him 96% of the time. Yeah. And my thing is don't try to run now. Don't try to step away now because it's midterms that you want people to vote for you. Stand up for what you voted on. Let the people know the truth. He's hid himself from everybody. He's hid his actions from everybody. And I told people, I'm transparent. I'm going to tell you like I am, tell you who I am, because I moved forward. I've stepped up and I've gotten up, and that's what you got to do. That's the type of person you want in Washington, not a person that's afraid to hide everything, but a person that opened it up, be transparent, but he moved forward as he's doing it. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, the voting record speaks for itself, and, and we really need to get those communities being safe again. You know, we saw um, yesterday one of your future counterparts in the House of Representatives, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, is proposing a bill to felonize some of the stuff that's going on, uh, the gender and sexuality in the classroom, all the way up through the procedures and, and, and surgeries that they're giving to, to some of our youngest little kids in this country right now and, and to make it a felony if these things happen moving forward if her bill's getting passed now in addition to sexualizing the education system and trying to infuse all this stuff into our our young children's mind at such a young age that also ties directly into you know you're a sports icon you were one of the greatest football players of all time and now you have all of these you know instances where men are getting injected into women's sports when it comes to getting the education system back on track and then making sure that men play men's sports and women play women's sports, what are some of the biggest things you're hitting on the campaign trail that are really resonating with the voters? Well, you know, it resonates more than anything, and you talked about it just now. How many women out there will want Herschel Walker competing against their daughters? <laughs> that is not something that people either, either be considering right now, that you want to put men and women sports, and that's it. That is a no. When my father told me no, he means no. And right now, this wokeness that they have going around is not good for Georgia, it's not good for America, it's not good for our military. Right now, you know, Raphael Warnock and Joe Biden want to bring wokeness into our military. And I can promise you, China, Iran, uh, Russia, they're not talking about wokeness, they're talking about war. And we're bringing wokeness in our military, we're making it hard to recruit, we're making it hard for, to morale. And this administration here alone, it's Senator Raphael Warnock, who has been along with everything uh, 96% of the time, is going to get many people killed, they're going to destroy a lot of families, and they don't seem to care. Herschel, do you guys have a date set yet to get on the debate stage with each other and really lay these issues out for the people of Georgia? Well, I, I've been out trying to force him to come on October the 14th 
in his hometown in Savannah, Georgia, to be televised statewide that everyone could see the differences between Senator one like myself in front of an audience, that they can see I believe in lower taxes, he believe in more taxes. They can see I don't think men should be in women's sports. He voted to put men in women's sports, where they can see I believe that we should drill in, in domestic uh, land here. He's thinking that we should go to our enemies and ask for oil and gas. And I'm like, there's a big contrast between the two of us. And I want people to be able to see it in front of a live audience. And he hadn't agreed to it. And I want everyone out there that listening to this call, call his office. Tell him to show up on October the 14th in front of an audience, in front of the people, so the people can see the contrast. The debate should be about the people, not about uh, a party or about the news media. It should be about the people that voted you in the office. And he seemed to be running. And I can't be trying to chase him because right now all he's doing is not telling the people the truth. He's hiding who he exactly is, and he's got to be transparent to the people, and I'll be glad when he start doing that. Yeah, it seems like he doesn't have any real facts to, to counter your proposals on, on how you would take the Senate in a different direction, more of an America first direction. And it's one of those things where we, we see them resorting like to smear campaigns and just completely avoiding, uh, you know, the necessary things that have to happen, like a debate uh, in regards to, uh, you know, facing you, letting the people of Georgia see the big difference between the both of your guys' platforms. Well, you look at it. He spent almost $34 million against Herschel Walker trying to smear me in the, in, the, in, the, in the public. That's all he's done, try to smear me rather than tell him what he can do because they can't win on the issues. He knows they can't win on the issues, and I want the people to know out there that I'm going to be transparent, but I've gotten up and I've shown people who I became. And I think that's what people need to know. You want a person that's been tried and true, not a person that's going to fall, fall in line whatever they tell you to do, and that's what he's seen you doing in Washington right now, falling in line whatever they tell him to do. He's for Joe Biden and for Chuck Schumer, and he's not for Georgia. Well, I fight for Georgia. I fight for the people of Georgia because I care about Georgia, and he doesn't seem to care. Yeah, he certainly doesn't. Herschel, last thing I wanted to touch with you on, so we've seen these two bills get passed in the in the last week or so, the CHIP Act and then the uh, Inflation Non-Reduction Act. Part of the blame for that, even though you know the Senate is 50-50, falls on the shoulders of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and his inability to whip at least one Democrat vote to, to realize that this is not uh, something that's – these are America last bills. And you can only think now that Senators Manchin and Cinema are going to be – enjoying the rest of their last term as senators, as Donald Trump will fo- probably find primary challengers for them to run in the next election cycle. Now, when it comes to leadership in the Senate, it looks like Senator McConnell might be playing with these numbers in an attempt to re- remain minority leader and not have you guys take back majority in the Senate. We know him and Donald Trump's relationship has kind of disintegrated over the last couple years and and he's called for proposed new leadership after the midterm elections this year what what are some of the things we could do to get the senate back on track and 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 get the focus away from not worrying about who is the leader in the senate but you know who's doing the most for the american people well one thing I, and i've been saying this we got to bring adults back into the room and let everyone know and that's what i want everyone to know that I don't want any egos involved in this. Right now, it's about the people. It's about the people in your state. It's about the people in the United States of America. For me, it's about the people in Georgia and America. Because right now, this isn't about egos. This isn't about you or me. It's, about, it's not about a party. It's about the people you're supposed to represent, that we should be doing great for the people that have voted us in the office and not what great for about yourself. So that's one of the things that I want to do, and I want to become one of the adults in the room to say this has got to stop because we have people out there, this crime wave. We talked about it early on. Crime has gone up 
homicides are going up in Georgia. In certain places in Georgia, rape has gone up over 200%. Mm. We have these, these DAs that have been soft on crime. They're letting people out of jail, but they have committed uh, hundreds of crimes. And I'm like, eh, you cannot do that. We cannot continue to live like that. We cannot continue to do that. we got to let people that believe in this country, they believe in America, they believe in the citizen. We want lower taxes. We want, we want our streets to be protected. We want to continue to have people that are going to do the right thing, and that's one thing I want to bring to the Senate and try to be a leader and not just be a follower now. Yeah, well, if, if you look at the course of your career and not just your athletic one, all the things you've done for the community, you've created jobs, you've brought awareness to certain uh, things in, in the health sector, you've, you've collaborated with so many different groups, uh, and now you're looking to give back even more in, in your race for the U.S. Senate. Herschel, it's been great sitting down with you today. We hope at some point before the general election we can get you back for another quick update. But uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. If you want to just give out your uh, campaign website one more time, we'll live link that and your social media is in the show description today. And we wish you all the best on the campaign trail. Uh, and I want to say thank you for having me on. I want to tell everyone out there, this come November is one of the most important elections we've had in a long, long time. And I want everyone to know, let's get this one right. Let's put people to that seat that's going to do the right thing for the people that put people in a seat that believes in America, that believe in the people, that they're going to get out and believe in our men and women in blue. They're going to support them. They're going to support our military. They're going to lower our taxes, get this economy back going, that everybody feel like working, everybody believes in this in this workforce. And then that's a person like Herschel Walker. That's why I'm telling you, go to teamherschel.com. Put me in that Senate seat, and you will see that I will fight for you because you're my family. It doesn't matter about your color. You're my family. I love it. This is the America First Trump endorsed Republican nominee, Senate, Georgia. Big race coming up in November. Everybody's got to get out and vote. Mr. Herschel Walker, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thank you, and God bless. Take care. So the drama surrounding the uh, FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago continues to develop here. It's now, we're in week two. We're going to get into the uh, ruling the judge had regarding the full and unredacted release of the affidavit yesterday. But we're going to paint a little bit of a narrative and backstory like we always do for you here on Steak for Breakfast. I don't know if you saw possible future presidential hopeful Judas Mike Pence mm. has been out at speaking events lately. He, uh, <laughs> is he going to get uh, like 2% of the votes maybe? Is he I mean, like food tossed at his ass on <laughs> stage? There's literally some of the straw polls that have been recently where he's pulled at zero. What a waste of money. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? How like, embarrassing, though. You'd have... <laughs> it's so funny how laughing has become common <laughs> when associated with his name. You'd be better off, like, trying to get on, like, a G.I. Joe Broadway play or something as an actor. He's got the body for it. So he was talking yesterday, and... uh Showed a little love and affirmation for the FBI? What? Wow. That's Mm. a bold move right now. Let's hear it. Earlier today and elsewhere, I, I also want to remind my fellow Republicans, we can hold the Attorney General accountable for the decision that he made without attacking rank-and-file law enforcement personnel at the FBI. Oof. Oh, scissor me timbers! The Republican Party is the party of law and order. Mm. 
Our party stands with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Mm, I think it's different. Yeah, it's definitely different. And the truth of the matter is, Let's hear it. we need to get to the bottom of what happened. We need to let the facts play out. But more than anything else, Whose facts? The American people need to be reassured. You hear him sighing? In the integrity of our justice yeah. system. It's like somebody's got a gun and to his back to say it. Of a recurrence of politics playing a role in decisions at the Justice Department demands transparency as never before. And I will continue to call on the Attorney General and the Justice Department to make that information available to the American people and do so now. Make information available again. Mm, took a while for everybody to clap. Right? Probably like, so. Are you done? Are you going to breathe again? <laughs> that was a big sigh he let out. It's like yeah. he's probably he's going like, through his... Fuck my life. He's like, is this really where we're at? Like, how do you say some of the right things and all the wrong things in like the same minute... With a straight face. Minute 30. Mm -hmm. I guess you just let out a big sigh like that, right? Yeah, I and mean, he has to be fully aware of like well, what people think of him and what he's saying is not going to go well and well, sit well. Yeah, he probably people. just sees you know. dollar signs flying out the window. He's like, this is a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. I could be... What does he do? Does he golf? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What, are, what does he even do? <laughs> and there's been a lot, there's of, a lot of rumors. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, I was trying not to jump to the, you know, two plus two yeah. is four, but that'd be racist. He's part of I the Joe it, Biden yeah. club. Mm. <laughs> mm. He's like, I could be sniffing kids right now. Yeah. Or accepting my uh, silver pieces from the... Mm. Yeah, Capitol Police. Sebastian Gorka was quick to jump on and dogpile. He jumped on War Room yesterday, and they were talking about this narrative and other things. Let's hear him uh, give a brief analysis. So, so we're not allowed to criticize the police in America. We back the blue unless they're corrupt, and the FBI is corrupt. Yes. Mike did an amazing job telling everyone what is wrong and what stinks with this search warrant to, ha to have him say oh they're just following orders uh, steve you're, you're a historian Where have I heard that when before? did we hear that phrase just following Weird. orders we heard that phrase a lot at something called the nuremberg trials in american law it is illegal for an officer of the military or for a law enforcement federal agent to obey an illegal law uh, an illegal order. It's just, it, it is it is part and parcel of your training. If you receive an illegal order, you are not to obey it. What what if, you know, the Attorney General had said to the FBI agents, hey, just go and assassinate uh, President Trump. Do they assassinate him? Of course they don't. That's a pretty good point he makes, but in the yeah. same sentence, cries in U.S. Customs and Border, whatever they call them, uh, yeah. those guys have to go to work every day and basically follow orders for things that they swore to protect the country from and do the exact opposite of it. I, I know you guys probably had seen that footage that's going around where the, uh, I believe it was in Texas DPS secured. No, actually, I'm sorry. It was in Arizona on private property. There was like an open fence with a gate and the uh, DPS there secured it with a lock and migrants started to, you no, know, it was the National Guard, wasn't it? That Yeah, you're right. It was the National Guard. And then the migrants started to show up and, and get kind of rowdy and start, like, live streaming on their phones from 
the lock fence, and it wasn't too long after that that I believe a supervisor from the Border Patrol showed up and unlocked the fence and let them all in. Ah, uh, good old supervisors. Mm-hmm. Private property, though, when you when you say private property, you mean like somebody's ranch house? Like, yeah, somebody's like, ranch. What the fuck? Yeah, it's been all over the news, and you start to see a lot of people trying to spin the narrative mm-hmm. that. Oh, maybe these officers down there are compromised. Maybe these officers are like doing dereliction of duty. And this, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? I was like, You're overwhelmed, the, man. These direct these directives are coming directly from the office of the president and the director of homeland security. There's no wiggle room for that. When they say like everybody comes in and essentially no one's getting deported, 4.5 million people have come into this country illegally since Joe Biden took office. I mean, they're just starting to like throw those solid. 2.2 million people have come in just this fiscal year across the board on television. When just a few weeks ago we were saying it was so much less, they were riding that. Yeah, they're hiding it. They were riding that 800,000 narrative for months. <laughs> and now I even see places like Fox News who, who have border coverage, but you could tell they really don't enjoy covering it because it just makes everything look bad for the things they're trying to keep, and that's their power. Uh, where they were showing numbers yesterday that said there's been 2.2 million people released in the United States. And now... We've we've got a baker's dozen, thirteen people on the terror watch list were apprehended in just July. Oh my god! Apprehended and let go, probably. Mm. Um, but that brings the total close to seventy that they know of or released wow. the numbers on this year. So yeah, pretty crazy. Um, I mean, they've lied to us for years about there being eleven million undocumented, you know, immigrants in this country. That's an 80s number. It's closer to 40 million right now. No, I know for sure. But like not on, I mean, the last time I heard them saying that was what, maybe even last year. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't send, you know, do sentence on the legals anymore. Like they used to when they were trying to get the Reagan amnesty bill passed. Yeah. When you talk about these people on the terrorist watch list, like, yeah, these are people that are extraneously on the terror watch list probably because these people may or may not know they're on the watch list. Therefore, they're just coming in, not trying to get away super hard. But, like, mm-hmm. do you think the people that are really high-level terrorism, like, affiliated people, like, do you think that they're just, like, trying to cruise through the desert? Or are they, like, yeah. paying for the extra, of go course. through the tunnel, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, more high-level smuggling attempts? It's, like... Yeah, we're catching the dregs. We're not catching, like, the top-end people. Those people are fucking getting away because our people at the border cannot do their jobs. And And they're overwhelmed. They know that they're all distracted, overwhelmed, and all that's happening there. So then, just like you described, those high-level, legit people that are very, very dangerous are coming across. It's scary to even think about. Oh, it certainly is. And, you know, we've seen, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but in the last couple weeks... Uh, two of the largest cartels in Mexico are fighting very close to the border on both, uh, like, on the California side and the Arizona side. Uh, everything from, like, mass shootings and kidnappings to, like, car bombs and, and just lighting places on fire. Well, they were burning uh, vehicles in, like, tunnels and bridges and stuff like that. Yeah. Just, like, basically they instituted a curfew mm-hmm. on the city of Tijuana. And, like, the news was, like literally putting out like warnings for the cartels like don't go outside yeah (laughs) talk about a corrupted country steve bannon was joined by boris yesterday who's going to be coming back on here with us in just a week or two um they were talking about this fbi raid drama narrative and some of those essential documents that we talked about with christina bob on friday 
Uh, let's hear them touch on it briefly. A bombshell. So the material that was declassified was related to the Russia hoax. I had to take that to be that, that this, these are papers he wanted to keep. He declassified. Um, that, Not papers uh, he wanted to pertain- keep, Steve. And it's important, it's important to separate these things. You know, the, the Mar-a-Lago raid, the break-in on President Trump's home, it was, all, it was about documents they claimed that he took you know, from, from the White House. Of course, the president has the full right and authority to declassify anything he wants. Anything. But he declassified all that, and, and then, you know, some of the, information, some of the documents went with him to, uh, to Mar-a-Lago, Palm Beach, Florida. The issue in terms of declassifying Crossfire Hurricane and, and the Russia hoax is to not just not to keep the information, it's to make it public. That was the President Trump's goal. That's what, and that's what he, you know, that's what he did. He declassified that information in order to make it public. And now, Cash Patel, John Solomon have been appointed as representatives of, of President Trump for the specific issue of getting this information to be released to the public, as it should have been now long ago after President Trump declassified it. So there's two distinct issues here. One is the unnecessary, unwarranted, un-American raid on the, on the president's home. Yep. And the other, the other is the fact that President Trump declassified a huge batch of information and it should have never, it should have never been kept from the public after he did that. Mm-hmm. And we do know that now as, you know, the days and weeks go by, we're finding out that some of those documents that were declassified and Donald Trump probably had in his possession related to Russiagate, Crossfire Hurricane, Spygate, and Fast and Furious, things that at the end of the day he wanted to point out were legitimate government operations to, number one, cover their trails for crimes that they were committing from stemming from the Obama administration all the way up through his, and then literally getting to the bottom of laying it out there for the American people that our federal government tried to conduct a coup throughout the election cycle of 2016 and then throughout the course of the Trump presidency. Um, and, and, you know, all, all of those documents that they took and uh, violate attorney private uh, client privilege and ones that were outside the scope of the purview of their warrant. Um, those are things that they have now and they have copies of, and they're just going to return and be like, like his passports. Oh, we didn't mean to take these, but you could have them back. Yeah. And then any of the stuff that they did take, if it is something that while they may not be able to use it legally, if it's any, even inference of harmfulness towards, uh, towards the Trump family or, his former presidency or whatever, they will, of course, leak it. Yeah, because it's being rumored now, and and it is, I'm I'm sure, likely true that Donald Trump has developed a team of lawyers, historians, and former government officials to go through that paperwork to basically try and, at the end of the day, prove his narrative that he was spied on, that he was legally targeted, that he was, you know, like I said, basically they tried to conduct a coup throughout the course of his presidency. Uh, they spied on American citizens. They lied to FISA courts. They collaborated with foreign governments to try and, you know, throw presidential elections. You name it. Uh, election interference. And, and this is the narrative that he's trying to build. Um, soon to be steak for breakfast ho- guest on next Tuesday, Cash Patel, Devin Nunes. Devin Nunes jumped on, I believe, Newsmax yesterday. Now we're going to start getting into that whole hearing they had so the creepy epstein lawyer judge had a closed door hearing yesterday talking about getting this uh you know affidavit released and 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 if we were to get the whole thing we would able we would be able to understand the complete narrative and you know 
basis that Merrick Garland used to justify getting a warrant to raid Mar-a-Lago. Um, my theory is, is that we're going to get a heavily redacted one that allows Merrick Garland and the Justice Department to continue to leak false stories to the press and continue to build narratives on why they did it, while at the same time giving the American people nothing but saying they gave them something. It'll re- be redacted in such a way that it can be interpreted in any way they need to. Yep. And then they'll say President Trump's version of how he sees the redactions <laughs> is uh, divisive, and you know him in his continuing attempt to try and do whatever he's doing to disrupt the government. But uh, let's hear Representative Nunes weigh in on that meeting yesterday damaging to DOJ and FBI. And look, really what they need, what they really need, Eric, it's pretty clear. We need all the background information. Who did this? Who was involved? Who, who are the people? Who are, who's at the FBI? Who's at the DOJ? Who are they communicating with? That's the only way we're going to get to the bottom of all of this, which is why ultimately, probably Congress is going to have to completely dismantle this entire wicked web that's been spun for the last many years. Yeah, uh, we just had Judge Napolitano on who said maybe the reason the DOJ doesn't want that affidavit to see the light of day is because there's a possibility there may have been an FBI agent planted, embedded in the Trump uh, in, in, in the Trump Mar-a-Lago yep. uh, orbit. Is the fact that they would go and investigate him under the Espionage Act, and then they take his passports like he's going to flee. And look, the story they'll say, Eric, you know what they'll say? They'll say, well, we had to take his passports because we didn't know if he's going to flee to Russia or not. These people are psychopaths, and they need to be put there. An end has to be put to them, and only... Republicans in Washington, I think, are going to be able to do this. I mean, uh, President Trump will be able to stand his ground. He'll fight this. But <laughs> they, ultimately, it's going to be Congress. They, Devin, did they really do did, this? Did they- so, you know, we're, we're going to talk about True Social and the podcast and all the fun stuff that those guys are doing. Cash is getting ready to drop a sequel to the plot against the president. Ooh, really? Yeah. yeah. And, we're, and we're going to talk about that, too, on Tuesday. But I believe our, our segment directly concerning this is going to be pretty fire, to say the least. You know, Devin's usually a little bit more reserved. I heard he was quite a firebrand behind closed doors, but he's always been extremely stoic, professional, shows great leadership qualities. And I've seen him do, uh, he was on Maria this Sunday with Cash. He did a panel, and then he was on with Eric Bowling yesterday, and he's fired up. So it's, it's one of those things because it's all of their legacy. 100%. And, uh, you know, the way people would like it to end. I don't know if you heard this one. Uh, Former CIA director, General Michael Hayden, uh, recently appeared in a Republicans Against Trump. What? Pro-Biden commercial. What? And that's following his. How is that not just political suicide? Well, like pro-grandpa. Wow. So, So here's a tweet from verified account on Twitter, Edward Luce. I'm covered. I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world over my career. Have never come across a political force more. I don't even know what that word is. Something dangerous and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing close. Let me see. It's uh, nihilistic. Nihilistic. There you go. Like nihilist. You say Neil or Nile. I say Neil. Are these guys going to hurt us, Walter? G- Gen- no, Donnie. These men are nihilists. General Michael <laughs> Hayden, former director of the CIA said, I agree, and I was the CIA director. Wow. <laughs> well, let, let's hear a brief portion of that commercial right now, uh, hyping up Joe Biden. 
Uh, Randy Maddow gave it some coverage. Oh, good old Randy. Agency. Um, I've actually got some news for you on that front, and this is exclusive to us. I am just breaking this news now. You have not heard this anywhere else. I mentioned that uh, General Paul Nakasone, who heads the NSA and heads U.S. Cyber Command, he is now one of our nation's top military leaders. Oh, he's not. Who is who are all under quarantine after being exposed to COVID-19. Oh, no. Of course he is. Paul Nakasone's predecessor as head of the NSA. Macaroni? Um, his predecessor who ran the NSA under George W. Bush, four-star Air Force General Michael Hayden. He ran the NSA under President George W. Bush. He also ran the CIA under George W. Bush as well. Red flags. General Michael Hayden is now retired from the military, retired from his long and often controversial career as a very high-level military and national security official. Michael Hayden is not someone I would have expected this from, but I am going to show you now here exclusively but here we something are. that Michael Hayden has just done for Republican voters against Trump. This has not aired anywhere else before I am going to show it to you right now. Because no one Watch cares. This. That's a Rand exclusive or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike Hayden. I was the former director of the CIA and the NSA. If there is another term for President Trump, I don't know what happened to America. Truth is really important, but especially in intelligence. President Trump doesn't care about facts. President Trump doesn't care about the truth. He doesn't listen to his experts. The FBI says white nationalism is a real problem, and the FBI wants to do something about it, but the president doesn't want to talk about that. He doesn't keep the country safe. It's unbelievable. I was 40 years in the military, okay? Alliances are wonderful. Alliances are win-win. And now I don't know what's happening to our alliances. I mean it. If Trump gives another term, I think many alliances will be gone and America will be alone. And that's a real, real problem. I absolutely disagree with some of Biden's policies. But that's not important. What's important is the United States. Who's and I'm you. supporting Joe Biden. Biden is a good man. Donald Trump is not. Oh, scissor me timbers. Mm-hmm. What a piece what of that? shit. Yeah. That and it was, was like poorly edited together, too. You could hear like the... He was... Uh... Why was he speaking like that? Because he's, well, he's, he's a, a robot? He's a little old. Possibly a clone. He's like whispering practically like like Biden does. Well, maybe the car battery attached to his nuts was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, so that's some of the uh, narrative. Just garbage. That, yeah, it certainly is. Our alliances, yeah, our alliances are almost gone right now under right. Biden. Saw a great tweet from Jim Jordan yesterday uh, tying in some of these last two clips that we heard. If there was a government informant at Mar-a-Lago, then we know now that they spied on President Trump before he was in office, while he was in office, and after he was in office. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So, Trump's case and trying to keep the search affidavit sealed was obviously the centerpiece of of the hearing from yesterday. The judge says, I find that on the present record, the government has not met the burden of showing that the entire affidavit should remain sealed. He's also said a one-week deadline that would be next Thursday 
um, for the FBI to collaborate with his office, talk about redactions, and present what they feel would be appropriate for the American public to see. So by next week, we should be getting at least a portion of the affidavit. Like we said, we don't really think it's going to give too much information there. It, it was it was a busy day yesterday, and the news narrative that came out uh, was kind of all over the place. But Trump lawyer Alina Habba, who's going to be joining us on the show in just a few weeks. Sorry, Christina, we're not cheating on you. It's like we're just friends. Oh, yeah, we're not going to make it weird. Oh, that's right. She doesn't go on social media that much. I have to like literally text her that she's tagged on stuff for her to share it. That's she, true. Yeah, she really doesn't care. Um, but but was explaining kind of like the, well the meat and potatoes of it's kind of like me. There you go. Let's hear. I don't care either. And for those right. that are not attorneys, so they understand redacting it basically means they black out whatever it is that they see fit that we should not see. Yeah. Now, normally that is an appropriate thing to do for social security numbers, witnesses that are sensitive, mm -hmm. um, addresses, things of that nature. What do I think? I think we're probably going to get back something with maybe a page number on the bottom. Yeah, that's what I, it's going to be just Perfect. all blacked out, right? <laughs> it's going to be all yeah. So the judge did say the one thing I did like today, and I have to be positive about this. He said, look, there is, if it's redacted too much, I'm going to take it and I'm going to redact it myself. So let's see what that dance looks like. Um, I'm hopeful, but not really. Um, hopefully we get some sort of information as to what the pretext was on this. I mean, when you look at the charges and we just listed them off, what, what do you see in that? Um, I see well, the a allegation, lot that's, I guess. Yeah, yeah, well, there's three allegations, right? Concealment, espionage, and basically destruction, all of which don't make sense to me knowing that he was cooperating the entire time. Yeah. So in, if you were concealing it, you wouldn't have allowed them in in June. If you were destructing it, you wouldn't have added the padlock that they asked you to add, add on in June or given them 15 boxes. All of these things, as you've seen and, and it's been reported, have this caveat that people get excited about, which is that he then cannot run for president. President. What course. they don't understand is presidents have different privileges. They have executive privileges. They have different things that have been in place from Bush. George W. Bush put in place, Obama used. But no one talks about that because if it's Trump, they'd like to bring these antiquated statutes and shove them down his throat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Touching on those things, espionage. Obviously, we all know that that's super fake. No, that's retarded. And, and definitely not one of the things that they're ever going to be able to get. It just didn't happen. Sorry, guys. He was the president of the United States. Any calls he made, correspondences he had with world leaders, it's not like he was collaborating with foreign intelligence agencies. That's just completely out the window. That's what our intelligence does. Concealment? I mean, he does have the Jesus-like water to wine, uh, classified to unclassified, wave of the hand privilege. So, again, something that I think is an extremely weak and probably the only thing. And then they talked about destruction. This goes back to, like, okay, so Donald Trump destroying classified documents goes back to, like, this is Russiagate him peeing on the mattress with, with the hookers and stuff like this. Yeah. They literally said when he saw classified informations or things that he would find uh, that could be incriminating to himself, he would often rip them up and flush them down the toilet. And what they did was use uh, – so he did a speaking event um, – you know, during the general election campaign season uh, in 2016. Where he wrote some notes on with a magic marker on a piece of paper. On and a then, napkin. And then threw it away. Yeah, and then crunched it up and threw it in the toilet, and someone went and took a picture of it. And uh, said this this was probably classified documents when the only word you could make out on the paper was Elise Stefanik. So, you know, it's one of those things where this is continuing to be a narrative that they're just blowing holes in. Unfortunately, we have to wait another week. And if we're going to talk about presidential declassification ability, mm -hmm. wouldn't the fact of him throwing it in the toilet mean that it's not classified anymore good point but so, also like he threw it in the toilet and didn't flush it 
Like it's only. <laughs> It's so weird. Like, like to just, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he threw it in there and did not flush it purposely to see who would, like, who's the mole, who's gonna say something. I don't know. You know, he's he's way smarter than all these people. Or maybe <laughs> his toilet flusher was off that night. Well, maybe it's just like that. You know, every, Colonel Vinman. I think I heard him say something that may have sounded like this during the Ukraine impeachment. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys heard that guy picked up. He's now a uh, senior level defense. Advisor. Gee, I wonder what his uh, bartering was for that. Working in theater for the country of Ukraine. Mm. So the Ukrainian impeachment whistleblower is now like the assistant defense minister of the country. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound funny to anybody else? Stars and stripes, baby. Oh. Yes. <clears throat> Can't make this stuff up. Something we're definitely going to be tracking. If you want a little bit more information in this explained out in maybe text format, we just dropped our newest Substack today. It's called the Nuclear Option. It's obviously what the Biden administration, Merrick Garland, and the Department of Justice exercised when they conducted the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And it's got a bunch of experts from our show, some exclusive audio clips that we did not play or from pundits that did not make the actual news segments here. And, and, and our signature stake for Substack writing style. Mm-hmm. That a lot of people just seem to enjoy. So as we continue to track this and uh, get ready to jump in with our next guest, we'll just keep uh, you guys up to date as we're getting ready to see uh, what gets released from the judge next week. Joining us next on the show today, he is the Trump-endorsed America First Attorney General candidate in the great state of Michigan on our Michigan First edition of Steak for Breakfast. Joining us for the first time, Matt DiPerno, thanks for coming down. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Well... Our listenership already knows how hard you're working. You're always all over the news and involved in a lot of things, Trump world. How's the campaign trail treating you, and uh, what's going on in your end of the woods? No, the campaign's uh, moving along really well. Um, we have some good polling come out uh, just yesterday. Um, shows uh, our governor candidate, uh, Tudor Dixon, is minus five against Whitmer. Um, and on a generic ballot, we are uh, the Democrats are plus two. Uh, why that's good for us is it's closed significantly over the last month. Uh, Whitmer was at uh, one point up uh, about 14 points. Yep. Uh, so all of the, you know, everything's coming together. Um, we had another poll come out that shows DePerno plus one against uh, the current attorney general. Uh, so uh, things are really looking good for us about three months before the election. So that's one thing we've been talking about lately on the show. The ticket in Michigan with, with Tudor securing the nomination is, is very similar to the one in Arizona as far as strength of candidates go. Between you, Christina Caramo, and then, of course, Tudor Dixon, uh, it would set up for a pretty amazing, uh, you know, well, governing body in the state of Michigan. There have been a lot of things going on since probably right before the 2020 presidential election that have gotten us to this point to where all of you guys needed to run and campaign on America first and, and win the nominations for the Republican party. What are some of the things you think that a uh, across the board ticket win could do to help fix some of the problems? Let's talk about like elections and, and crime and stuff probably first and second of all, uh, you know, once the general election happens. Uh, yeah. So we, right now we have the highest crime rate in Michigan than we've seen that we've, than we've seen in decades. Mm. We're number 10 now in sex trafficking, mm. uh, and we've got illegal fentanyl flowing across our borders, destroying families and killing children. Uh, we've got rogue prosecutors across the state uh, who uh, support uh, the current attorney general. They refuse to prosecute violent felonies uh, anymore in this state. 
Instead, uh, they investigate the police themselves. So we've got more police actually under investigation right now in this state than we've ever had in the history of Michigan. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to start enforcing the law. We're going to enforce the Constitution. Uh, We're going to make prosecutors across the state do their job and prosecute violent felonies. We're going to bring that crime rate down. uh, And that's going to help everyone in Michigan. It's going to help businesses in Michigan. It's going to bring businesses back to Michigan. You can't really take into consideration the fact that crime is probably right at the top of the ticket for a lot of voters right now. And then when you talk about bringing jobs back into the economy, the uh, Inflation Non-Reduction Act that we saw signed into law yesterday is something that's going to continue to crush. There's a lot of hardworking blue-collar middle-class families in Michigan right now. And by the time this thing goes through its appropriations and, and hits the floor, we're looking at sometime right around the holidays before you know, normal Americans start feeling the effects of uh, how damning this bill is going to be and add to the recession that we're currently in. Yeah, it, it's a, a very bad bill. So uh, right now we've got businesses leaving the state of Michigan. We've lost a congressional district seat already uh, this year. Um, and we've got, you know, we're the auto capital of the world here in Michigan, Detroit. But we've got uh, the big three manufacturers saying they're not going to build battery plants in Michigan. They're going to go to Indiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee uh, because those are business-friendly environments. Um, And they say they're not going to invest billions of dollars in the state of Michigan when they know the government can weaponize the healthcare department against them and shut them down. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as attorney general, we're going to stop that. We're not going to have mandates anymore. We're not going to allow the governor's office to just uh, issue executive orders shutting businesses down. Not only that, but the attorney general was out arresting people, putting people in prison for keeping their businesses open, cutting hair. Uh, I mean, what a terrible thing. You make a, a, a pizza, you get arrested by the attorney general here in Michigan. So those are big problems in Michigan. The other reason businesses are leaving Michigan is because our education system is failing. Uh, we're no longer teaching kids critical math, critical edu- uh, critical reading, and critical science. We're teaching kids about the 63 different genders, critical race theory. That has to stop. And as attorney general, we're already prepared to issue an opinion saying that we're not going to allow uh, schools to teach critical race theory, and we're not going to force uh, state employees to go through critical race theory training anymore. Yeah, it would seem something that would uh, definitely lure a lot of businesses maybe looking to get into or stay in Michigan to stay because I think when you talk about some of those things, especially at the school level with the kids' education, if it's not critical race theory or pronouns, it's the, the hypersexualization of the uh, curriculum that kids are being taught now. It's it, There's just no reason for it except to you know create division and, and stoke the flames of racism and stuff like that. And we just can't have you know the, the mafia over at the Department of Education and uh, the National Teachers Union doing this to our kids anymore. Well, absolutely. And and my opponent, the current attorney general, has come out publicly and stated uh, that she wants to put drag queens in every school, mm-hmm. uh, every classroom. She says she says drag queens are great. They're fun for everyone. Uh, and so, you know, obviously we oppose that idea. Uh, we have to start teaching kids uh, again, math, science, reading. Um, and uh, uh, this is a huge focus on what we're talking about in this state, and it's a message that's resonating not only with conservative voters, but it's resonating 
with women over 50, uh, suburban women, and it's resonating with the minority communities. Uh, last night I was in a, a, a church in Detroit um, and talked to uh, some of the pastors down there uh, in that area, and our message resonates with them. They, they like the fact that we want to reduce crime that we want to restore parental rights in education, and we want to support uh, religion. Never again will we allow our churches to be shut down. Uh, and my opponent's actually been slapped down by at least one federal court who said uh, that she's weaponized her office uh, against people's deeply held religious beliefs. Mm. Uh, and you know these minority communities see that, they understand it, it's an important issue for them. They want to keep their churches open and they don't want the government uh, attacking them and their religious faith. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it's going to resonate too well with constituents who are living in and voting with there, especially when you start. I mean, you go after the children, it's one thing, and then you parlay, uh, you know, religious rights into that. And it just seems like a recipe for disaster and something that I know you've been campaigning strong on. And I think it just more people just want sanity. I mean, like, how are you going to have like your law enforcement is going to go after people who are trying to run their businesses. Then you're in turn going to go after your law enforcement. And then meanwhile, crime is running rampant and you're not going to do anything about that. It's just insane. Yeah. Where we're at right now as a nation in regards to, you know, some of our most historically valuable cities to the country. Uh, We see so much stuff, New York, Washington, DC, places like Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco have just fallen off the map and become virtually inhabitable. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's one of the things that we're glad that, you know, you're working on real hard to kind of fix that. Next thing I wanted to touch on was uh, some of the day one uh, things you guys are going to be looking probably across the entire ticket to kind of reform, restructure, and, and, and make great again the voter systems in Michigan. As an historical blue wall state, we, we, we saw some major problems and inconsistencies there in regards to the 2020 presidential election. We're hoping not for the general election in the midterms this year, uh, but then right as soon as you guys get get through the finish line and win in November, we're, we're looking at, uh, you know, down the barrel of another presidential election again. Uh, we know you've talked about it extensively. What are some of the plans that you have ready to go uh, day one to kind of rectify the situation? Well, certainly we got to clean up our qualified voter file. It is a mess. Um, you know, we're currently looking at uh, more registered voters on that file than actual population in this state. Uh, We have to make sure that uh, the Secretary of State can no longer uh, send out pre-filled out uh, absentee ballot applications. Uh, We need voter ID. Imagine that actually requiring voters to show ID when they show up and vote in person. And we need clerks across the state to uh, actually check and verify signatures on these absentee ballots. And we have to get rid of these uh, drop boxes that are funded by Zuckerberg uh, which I believe are illegal campaign finance contributions into the Democrat Party, because yep. they're taking these collection boxes, they're putting them in specific Democrat-controlled precincts. Uh, they're not putting them in any Republican-controlled precincts. Imagine that. Uh, so those are important things that we got to clean up in our elections. They're okay with the signature verification when it's uh, a recall for a Soros-backed district politician. Attorney, yeah, right? District attorney, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you, and... Uh, we like to hear to see some of those reforms coming, like you said, uh, almost on day one when you're working with the Secretary of State and, and hopefully the uh, future governor is Tudor Dixon. Matt, last thing I want to touch on, it's kind of a national issue. It's been one that's 
you know, dominating the news cycle for the last two weeks. I'm, I'm sure you have a pretty good opinion on it. Now, we saw what happened uh, not too long ago at Mar-a-Lago on behalf of uh, Joe Biden, the Merrick Garland Department of Justice, and, and with the usage of the FBI. Uh, yesterday, we had the hearing that shows we're, we may, as early as next Thursday, have a portion of the uh, redacted affidavit released to the public. Just out, outside looking in and someone with as much legal experience and success of you know as yourself, how can we've reached a point in this country where we see literally the last president who was holding office being raided by the FBI by the next person who's going to be essentially they're going to be you know if you looked at it on paper now they're going to be running against each other so it's going after and targeting your political opponents now and what are some of the things we need to do to get this stuff reformed? Well, that's a good question. You know, we definitely need reform. Uh, we have to stop allowing these agencies to be political animals. It seems anymore that the FBI has now become just an extension of the Joe Biden administration. Uh, and even before that, while President Trump was uh, uh, president, it was an extension of uh, many different Democratic witch hunts. Uh, so that has to end. But we're seeing the exact same thing in the state of Michigan here. Listen, my political opponent, a Democrat, has weaponized her office against me. Yep. Uh, she's now come out and said that she's going to uh, criminally investigate me uh, for uh, the work that I did in the lawsuit I filed after the 2020 election. Uh, we did nothing wrong, obviously. Um, we had court orders that allowed us to do everything. And the judge was actually very complimentary of the work that we did. So now we have three months before the election, the attorney general here coming out and saying that she's been conducting an investigation into me over the last five months using taxpayer dollars uh, to uh, boost her campaign. That is the height of corruption. And she knows there's nothing that's ever going to come from this, but that's not what matters. What matters is trying to uh, disparage your opponent uh, make your opponent look bad in the eyes of the voters, uh, and she's using her office to do it. And when you weaponize your office, you lose faith with the voters. Yeah. And we think that's going to backfire against her. No, well, you make an excellent point there. And I think uh, one of the things that the radical progressive left has done to their advantage throughout the course of the Trump administration and now through this midterm election cycle is using pronouns like uh, criminal investigation, possible indictments, and things like that until those phrases aren't useful to them anymore, and then they go on to the next hoax or witch hunt like you, uh, you know, well, better than me, put out there for our listenership. Matt, we're, we're really active in Michigan. John Gibbs is a regular on this show. He, he's in about once a month with a campaign update. We want to direct as much of our listenership who's not already following you and supporting your campaign uh, to be the next Attorney General of Michigan. So if you want to give us your social medias and campaign website... Eperno4mi.com uh, is one, or Fight for Matt is one we just created uh, to uh, to counter these attacks by the Attorney General. Fightformat.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Truth at mdperno. We will live link those in the show description today, and uh, hopefully we can get you back for an update before the general election. Absolutely. Anytime. We appreciate you taking time with us on uh, this Friday edition of the show. This is the Trump-endorsed America First Attorney General nominee for the great state of Michigan, Matt DiPerno. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Thanks for having me on. All right. Joining us next on the show today, 
She is the Trump-endorsed America First candidate for the Michigan Secretary of State. She's joining us for the first time. We're very happy to have her. Christina Caramo, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? How's the campaign trail treating you? Well, it is a lot of hard work that I love to do because it's for the right causes for our country. And, you know, we have two and a half months left to ensure that the people of Michigan control our election system. Now, as I go around the state and I talk to people of all political affiliations, we have the same concerns. I was talking to some folks yesterday in Detroit and they were sharing that, hey, we're concerned about the absentee process. They're concerned about a lot of things that us as conservatives are equally concerned about. But the way the media plays narrative, they just, you know, put the ridiculous people like my opponent on camera, you know, claiming that, you know, her life is in danger and making all these other grandiose, uh, unsubstantiated claims that somehow people who have concerns regarding our election system are somehow a threat to democracy. When in reality, those individuals who want to que- who want to threaten and intimidate people from questioning any concerns in our elections are a real threat to our republic. And the fact of the matter is, in Michigan, uh, the attorney general claimed that I was engaging in a felony and could be criminally charged for alleging fraud in the election system. I mean, this is not only a violation of my freedom of speech, but my right to petition my government for a redress of grievances. So these people just love to violate their constitutional rights. They attempt to. They're tyrants, and they must be removed from office. This is not about Republicans versus Democrats. This is about freedom versus tyranny. And that's what's on the ballot in 22. You know, when you hear people say, this is the most important election ever, you know, oftentimes I would roll my eyes. Being a politically active person, I just say, yeah, you guys say that every cycle. But it really is. It is. Our liberty is on the line this election, and we need all freedom-loving people to get out and vote and vote for those candidates, the America First ticket, who's going to be protecting your freedom. Now, that ticket's one of the ones that could stand up to places like Arizona, where you guys have a full slate of, you know, Trump-endorsed America First candidates that have won their primaries and moved on to the general election with Tudor Dixon, yourself, Matt DiPerno. You have John Gibbs, who... Uh, Joined us earlier in the show as well, you know, running for a U.S. House seat. He, he just primaried one of the Trump impeachers. That makes it a pretty formidable solution to uh, the people of Michigan who have, you know, known as one of the historical blue wall states, but in, in reality is, is a lot more red than, than people may know uh, if they live outside of the Michigan area. What are some of the things you guys are doing together to kind of unify that, that state ticket and make sure that when people go out to the polls on in November, they know exactly uh, all the candidates they need to be voting for. You know, one of the things is, it's a great point you mentioned that people see Michigan as a blue state. When Michigan is more a purple state, that is turning more red, and here's why. The only thing that made Michigan blue was the unions. And the Democratic Party has socially went so off the map. They're just so off the rails crazy with their initiative. Like, they're trying to push a constitutional amendment here in, in Michigan that will, in our constitution, legalize abortion up until birth, you know, removing parental consent. So a 14-year-old girl can get raped and then get an abortion. Her parents won't know a thing thanks to the Democrats in Michigan. This is the kind of craziness these people are pushing. And so many of the people who traditionally voted Democratic because they were members of the union are now saying, uh, we're not doing this anymore. That's why you had groups like UAW, uh, Workers for Trump, and a lot of other people who may have still concerns regarding our labor laws, but the, concept, the, the idea of your 14-year-old daughter being able to get an abortion without you knowing about it, that is scarier than any other issue that many people can think of. And also with the America First movement, we are pro-worker. I think we're seeing a massive shift in the Republican Party. The stereotypes we'll have of Republicans is shifting gradually, and we're seeing a movement of people who just want freedom, who love capitalism, 
who understand that the government isn't shouldn't our government is to be kept in check by the people. Those are the people we see in this America First movement. And so we're super excited. And I've been pushing into areas that are traditionally democratic. And it's so interesting to me is that I go into many of these spaces and I'm talking to people and I hear things like, you know, you're the first or a very few Republican who come into this area. And it's just like, well, why do we expect people to vote for us that we don't talk to? So many of these deeply democratic areas, for some reason, Republicans have just and I don't know, <laughs> the phrase I want to use probably isn't the best, but they act like they have no courage to go into these areas and potentially meet contentious situations. But what I find that many people just, they just want their problem solved. You know, you, you have a few yahoos that, you know, you can't have a conversation with, you know, these Marxist types. And I, Mar- Marxists, I have a conversation with a Marxist, but I doubt it would be productive on any level. However, your average person who just may be a little more socially liberal than I am, um, those individuals I can have a conversation with. They they are concerned about the kitchen table issues. While Democrats are trying to put your son in a dress, you know we are focused on making sure people can survive, making sure you can feed your family, making sure that you have your freedom, making sure that we have control over our elections. And reasonable people, these are the things they care about. And this is why we will be successful in November. Yeah, that's a that's a solid point you make right there. You know, we John Gibbs is a regular on this show, and one of the biggest things aside from going after uh, a former Trump impeacher, as, as was his primary candidate, he said 1A was jobs in Michigan. And, uh, you know, this Biden economy and, and the stuff that's going on with the recession we're, you know, entering into right now is just something that you can't go living your normal lives the way you did a couple years ago and think that the job market and, and the inflation rate is going to allow you to take care of your family. And when you guys are offering real solutions in state, it's probably something that really turns the voters on. I also heard you you know, you made you made a point about all the stuff that's going on with the with the woke educational and, and sexualization of, of like, you know, curriculum and stuff for students that's going on. It, it's plaguing the country right now and definitely something that's at the top of the ticket. I don't know if you heard, but did it, did it surprise you yesterday to hear that U.S. House Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene is sponsoring a bill uh, to make doing stuff like that to children, introducing this kind of educational stuff and then getting all the way into like the the mutilation and puberty blockers uh, as a bill. And, and she only had five co-sponsors to start in the House of Representatives. It uh, seems like something a lot of people that, you know, may not want to like get their hands in, but it's one of the biggest issues of, of, of what people are trying to do to the kids behind parents back in school. It's something that Donald Trump's already start to make a part of his centerpiece in his pre-announcement for his presidential election campaign in 24. And it seems like a lot of the America First candidates are out there, you know, trying to bring that awareness and offering real solutions to parents on how they can protect their children. Yeah, so for my race as Secretary of State, my focus is cleaning up our election systems because it is a matter of national survival. It's the only way we maintain control of our government. With that being said, the sexualization of our children, even though it's outside of the purview of the office I'm running for, it is something that I passionately care about because it's about the destruction of the human family. When you sexually corrupt the youth, you destroy the next generation of people. And when we're talking about sexual corruption to the sense of they are literally attempting to sterilize our children. I mean, sterilized. I'm sure you guys seen the video out of some uh, uh, hospital or something, a uh, medical institution out of Boston, where they literally are talking about giving hysterectomies to underage girls. I mean, folks, irrespective of political affiliation, this is the thing people need to understand. Even mem- mem- individuals who identify as LGBTQ, your average person does not support this. This is insane. It is totally insane to offer double mastectomies, hysterectomies to underage girls castrating our sons. 
I mean, any parent out here knows that a, a child, I mean, think about it. I remember when I was in high school, I wanted a tattoo on the side of my neck. Thank God my mother didn't agree to that. Okay. How many things that we want at 16 or 15 and we're kind of confused about and thought that our parents had enough sense to not let us act on. But now we have these elected officials who want the kid to be able to go through these life changing processes without parental consent. And then they try to suppress the detransitioners and the other individuals who went through these procedures and regret it. They want to suppress those voices. So instead of allowing people to hear the entire conversation, they want to press one narrative. And the fact that we have people who are afraid to speak up about this, this is the type of people we need out of office. I am so done with these weak, need, coward Republicans. This is what the America First movement is pushing out of our party because your average common sense person, even people who are liberal, do not agree with underage girls getting hysterectomies without parental consent, even hysterectomies and period with, with parental consent. It's crazy. We're not talking about cancer patients. We're talking about elective procedures that sterilize children that 10 years from now, they very may regret, regret, excuse me, and it causes irreversible damage. I mean, this is, it's like we're in the upside down world. I mean, this is hedonism on a level that your average citizen couldn't even conceptualize. And I remember 10 years ago, five years ago, folks like myself were warning the alarm on this. And, you know, you're a conspiracy theorist. Like, how, how many times are, have we been called a conspiracy theorist only to be vindicated, like the election system? And when we complain about how the Democrats, the Democratic Party wanted an open border, and, oh, that's uh, conspiracy theorists. We're like, no, they're importing voters. Oh, that's conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. Then we see the Biden administration suing Arizona to prevent the state of Arizona from, ver from verifying citizenship before registering someone to vote. Now, why would you want to prevent a state from verifying citizenship before registering voters, unless you want non-citizens to be registered to vote. But when you point this out, you're a conspiracy theorist. So I think there are Republicans, you know, it's a shame that Marjorie Taylor Greene only got that many co-sponsors. But again, the people aren't willing to step up and protect our children's bodies and protect them from being sterilized. That's the most fundamental thing, irrespective of political affiliation. We should all agree that double mastectomies for teenage girls is a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, it seems like a slam dunk. In addition to voter ID, what are some of the other day one proposals you have for cleaning up and, and, and fixing the uh, election system up there in Michigan? One, making sure we have an accurate voter registration database. That is massive. We saw in the last election, in the August election, the primary, we saw about 1.3 million people request an absentee ballot application. And with these absentee uh, ballots being requested, it opens the door for potential and, and people to illegally request them. You know, let's say you have a lot of uh, properties with multiple parcels on them or what have you, a person on the land with multiple parcels. You know, those, if, if you have fraudulent uh, registrations to those plots of land, you can see individuals engaging in massive amounts of ballot harvesting operations, but the, 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 the precursor for all of this is fraudulent registrations. So making sure we have an accurate voter registration is critical. Um, making sure that we enforce voting ID laws, that's very, very important. Making sure that we protect that, uh, that process. And anybody who claims that, you know, it's unfair to request ID, it's disenfranchising people. I've heard a really stupid argument made here in Michigan by a local county clerk claiming it's a poll tax. First of all, people just don't need IDs to vote. You need an ID to do all types of things in life. Additionally, it is the job of the Secretary of State to ensure that the people of the state have IDs. So if the current office holder cannot ensure that people are able to access getting an ID, she needs to be removed from office. 
because you need an ID to do all kinds of things like work, get a bank account, all sorts of issues. Also, we want to ensure that the process is secured, that we have absolute chain of custody for the ballots being handled. So one of the things that's so absurd, uh, the Wayne County Board of Canvassers uh, discovered in the city, I believe the city of Ecorse, but it was a city here in Wayne County where there were ballots that they had just found that had not been tabulated. Mm. They were in a bag somewhere in some back room. And then you guys ready for the kicker part? Just to knock your socks off. They found a ballot from 2020. So how did a ballot mm. from the 2020 election get mixed in with the August 2nd, 2022 primary ballots? This, this is how sloppily our ballots are being handled. This is whether it's sloppiness, corruption, incompetence, stupidity. I really don't care. The voter has been disenfranchised nonetheless. So it's totally unacceptable for this to occur. How do you find a 2020 ballot mixed up with 2022 primary ballots? There is no chain of custody for the way our absentee ballots are handled. They're just tossed around like old shoes and newspaper. This cannot happen. We have to handle our ballots like they are the treasure they are. It is the voice. It is our representation on the line. And so there's lots of things I would like to see with the absolute tight chain of custody, ballots um, with counter fraud measures, ballots under surveillance, whether they're marked or unmarked, they all need to be under surveillance 24 um, seven. We need to make sure that we have more people of both political parties and even minor parties involved in working our elections and handling our ballots. Uh, also making sure we have more citizen oversight of the election system, irrespective of political affiliation or non-politically affiliated individuals need to be there watching the elections, ensuring that it's being ran part of the rule of law. Uh, poll challengers, unlike my opponent, has tried to portray poll challengers as some type of adversarial group looking to disrupt the process and harass people. That is totally false. Uh, poll challengers are the guardians on the ground. Poll challengers serve to ensure that the law is being followed and the rights of the people are being protected. It's important to know, you know, we hear these groups that call themselves voting rights groups. Voting rights are critical, but these groups are actually enemies to our voting rights because our voting rights contain three element elements a ballot access ballot security and stopping illegal ballots from being injected into the system yep. that is our voting rights but they fixate on ballot access that way they can loosen up the rules to such an extent that allows illegal ballots which is actually an attack on my voting rights and what i explain to people just imagine this if you play sports if i play basketball so my team can score 100 points but if every time I score a point, the ref gives the other team a point automatically, what difference if I'm, does it make if I make a thousand points? Mm -hmm. That it won't, it, I won't, I won't win. So it's important that we protect this process. This is not a partisan issue. It's an American issue. It's a liberty issue. No, it certainly is. And when you talk about the combination of the the state ticket there in Michigan, you guys have one a lot of work to do, but two, three people who are ready to get in there and just blow it up on day one. Uh, you know. Because of the primaries and how they're they're separate from like the state and federal ones there in Michigan, when we get to the general election in November, we're looking for a massive turnout, especially with so many Trump endorsed America First candidates at the top of the ticket there. And uh, you guys have been doing an amazing job with the ground game, getting the word out there, laying out your platform for everybody, and uh, things are looking, you know, like they're going to get back on track there in Michigan come this fall. Kristen, we want to be able to direct as much as our listenership to. Um, you know, get in there and help you out. We know some of these races are some of the most expensive ones ever being ran in the country right now. Michigan's no uh, exception to the rule. And, and, you know, you guys are in a dogfight there. And for our national listenership right now, who knows, there's there's a huge ticket that's going to make Michigan great again. Uh, we want to be able to direct as many people in there to help out your campaign, whether it's in-state, door knocking, helping out on social media, and, of course, campaign donations. 
Yeah, please visit our website, ChristinaCaramo.com. Christina with the K, Caramo, K-A-R-A-M-O, ChristinaCaramo.com. Please make a contribution. Michigan is a top-tier state uh, that influences presidential election outcomes. Yep. And so you have people who want to corrupt the elections in Michigan to control the White House and to control Congress. Yes, I'm a conservative, but it's not my job to put the finger on the scale and try to cheat or do something illegal to benefit one party over another. My responsibility as Secretary of State is to ensure that it is the will of the people, irrespective of political affiliation, who determine election outcomes, not corrupting this system. So we need the support of people all over America to ensure that we, the people, take back our elections in Michigan. It is a reason why Soros is helping my candidate collect millions of dollars. It's because they want to toss these elections. So we got to take them back. And, you know, as I mentioned, the fact that our attorney general is claiming that I'm engaging in a felony and could be criminally charged for alleging fraud in the election, that shows you that we're above target. And these people have been corrupting our elections for a long time. And I'm going to put a stop to it, but I can't do it without your help. No, that's a that's an absolute fact right there. You want to talk about conspiracy theories? Just just a few years ago, it used to be one to say that George Soros was was getting involved in influencing our elections, and now you see all the radical district attorneys, mayors, weird, all the way up to you know Secretary of State and Attorney Generals all over the country that are just letting crime ruin our nation. And that's a the big part of the thing that y'all are going to be working on there in Michigan. We will live link your uh, campaign website, and we'll throw your social medias in the show description today. And, of course, we'll be looking to have you back at some point before the general election. This is the America First Trump-endorsed candidate for the Michigan Secretary yes, of State. thank you guys for having me on. Christina Caramo, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. So the Inflation Non-Reduction Act, right. yeah, made it to Joe Biden's desk and was signed. Well, not his desk. It didn't go to the Oval Office. It went to that weird whatever they set up for him where there's, like, a, the little kid's table at Thanksgiving and uh, – you know, a curtain behind. Oh, him. the one where everybody stands way too close to him and w- like way too high above him, and he looks around like Schmeagle. Yeah, that uh, that table. There were some great memes for that one. <laughs> when the edibles kick in, when the bass drops at the club, <laughs> when it's time to pay for the strippers. It, it, there was a bunch of good ones, but uh, yeah. So here we go. Within the next ninety days, we're going to be slammed with a two trillion dollar spending bill that you know people like Joe Manchin who voted for it, and I know I'm pretty sure you guys have all heard. So a lot of Joe Manchin's decision that went into backing this bill did not come from the office of the resident. It came from creepy Vax guy and mm. former Epstein associate uh, Bill Gates. That Bill Gates, yeah. as they met uh, a couple times to discuss the pluses of all the green new initiatives that are interwoven into this bill. We're looking at about $10 trillion in spending over time and only probably about a trillion dollars in revenue. Although they claim that it's going to be jobs, jobs, jobs. It's just not going to, you're just going to have to wait for those. Hopefully this will be one of Donald Trump's day one repeals. Yeah. Yeah. So they had a little, I don't know, ceremonial. Actually, hopefully before he even gets back in the American public will just voice their opinion on this that this isn't fucking working mm-hmm. although i guess it doesn't really matter what the american public wants and but as, the, as we've seen yeah as we've already mentioned previously on the show today you know by the time this hits the floor it's going to be right at the peak season of the holiday so in some aspects of your life things that uh taxes are going to go up 30 percent 30 percent what's that in california that would make it like 60% inflation. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. Can't wait. And, 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 now, let's not blow it out of proportion. That's in certain aspects. So you might be paying a little bit less for gas, but let's just say yeah. food will go up to 60%. 
if you can find it. You'll only be able to, you'll only be able to afford food that gives you gas at that point. It's so weird. They teased it during COVID, but it never there was never really empty shelves during COVID. But they always teased it would be coming. Obviously, toilet paper and stuff like that was. But when it came to like food items and stuff like that, they they never really got there. But now that COVID's over, over, yeah. over, it's like the shelves are empty, and whatever's there costs triple the price of what it did in like 2019. My local Costco has been like their freezers. They keep saying they're broken, but I talked to somebody that actually works there, like off the record sort of thing, and they're like, "Don't say anything to anybody," but yeah, they're not broken. They're all like half, like I, I don't even know. It's like half that portion of the store is empty, empty. It's kind of weird because it's never, it never happened during COVID, for example. Like you just made that point. So I'm like, okay. I see it as they're conditioning us to live without certain things that have been normal. And and you know what I see is always full is the junk. Uh-huh. Like the exactly. chips aisle, the cookies aisle, the soda aisle. Those things are always fully stocked. Well, and those things are more and more readily available to the general public, even with people on uh, EBT or WIC or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like that. You can buy the worst garbage mm-hmm. with those public assistance things like like what give me give me a one valid reason why you should be able to use your fucking government assistance fund to buy energy drinks instead of government cheese yes you should only be allowed to have cheese and bread (laughs) and bread you can't find bread anymore either so it's like i don't know where the fuck you're shopping i have not had any problems at the grocery store it's it's all i mean it's expensive yeah it's more expensive i haven't had any problems just besides that yeah no i I've it's got coming. I've got two Vons. Well, I think you're probably uh, and a Walmart by my house, and it's like the same things are empty in both stores. Like, you probably got people from another country shopping there too. True story. Let's hear Joe Biden's commercial uh, celebrating this massive spending bill that we signed into law. It said Medicare couldn't negotiate prices of drugs. Before, pharmaceutical companies could just say what the price is going to be, and Medicare, the largest buyer of health care and prescriptions in the world, in fact, had to pay that price. People have been trying to fix that for years. Donald Trump fixed that. Not fair. This happens because the government pays whatever price the drug companies set without any negotiation whatsoever. We've always lost. Why? Special interest. Big farmers spending tens of millions of dollars telling lies about what we can't do. Well, the good news here is that we've got them beat. The Inflation Reduction Act says Medicare can negotiate and say we're only going to pay this amount of money for your drug. It also caps out-of-pocket expenses for prescription drug prices and no more than $2,000 a year for Medicare recipients. It even caps insulin prices for Medicare recipients at $35 for a month's supply. It only costs them 10 bucks to make this. It's a game changer. And now like the him. last and maybe simplest thing is we tried to help everybody, but Republicans on the Hill blocked it. Why the Republican caucus would support pharma and continue the price gouging for insulin is beyond me. They voted against this whole thing. This is a loss for big pharma. This one is a win for the American people, for you. Just another reason why this law is a big deal for families all across America. <laughs> Oh, you love him. Mm. I I instantly start to tune out whenever he starts talking or you play a clip of him. I have a really hard time focusing. So, oh. I, yeah, I started tuning him out too. So what is he talking about? Listen here, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Blame, blaming Republicans for 
us not being on board with some bloated bill that is going to, yes, do one good thing and do 17 other bad things. Yes, essentially that is correct. Okay, I, I, I just assumed that's what it was. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And they take whatever the most virtue signalist bullshit that they've added to it that basically it's going to be the one thing that they're going to be able to run with and say that this is a good thing. It's going to, you know, blah, 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 insulin, yada, yada, yada. But meanwhile, it's like what other fucking bullshit is in there? Like, I I don't understand why we can't change that. Like, if you can't fucking read it, we shouldn't be allowed to vote on it. Yeah, uh, they, like give you 5,000 pages before. Yeah, some fucking like old man rolls up with a fucking radio flyer wagon full of fucking 18 reams of paper and is like, all right, in 45 minutes, we're going to vote on this. Mm-hmm. Enjoy, fuckers. Enjoy skimming through it. Yeah. No, there are people who are running in the midterm elections this year that have part of their campaign platform. In addition to some of the stalwarts in the Senate, like Rand Paul and, and Ted Cruz, who are saying that we need to have like... Yeah, it shouldn't be a fucking barter system like all right we're gonna add all this bullshit that we know you're not gonna allow and then when you don't allow it we're gonna talk shit about the one thing that you probably would have allowed right one subject one bill proposals yeah that should be how it is it's it's too fucking it's too murky man like the swamp is swampy enough we don't need like everything to be swampy yep but apparently and in direct Contrast to what you just said, Noah, dignity has been restored to the Oval Office. Oh, really? Senate might, uh, majority. We're not having any more, like, uh, pee-pee pants and poo-poo pants? Crying Chuck Schumer. (laughs) Uh, Dignity. Yeah. Led into this signing event the other day at the fake Oval Office and uh, talked about restoring dignity to the real one. After four years of a president who relished creating chaos, (sighs) Americans are seeing what it looks like to have a president and a Congress that's focused on delivering results to make their lives better. Yeah. Mr. President, you've restored dignity, respect, and a sense of action back to the Oval Office. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's my honor to turn it over now. (sighs) He really believes what he's saying. Of course he doesn't. uh, (laughs) Dignity was returned to the Senate. The vote was 50-50, and Kamala Harris had to break the tie. Yeah. <laughs> so much dignity in that. So dignified. Oh, and like we're making what for the American people? What are we doing right now for the American people? Fucking them? I mean, depending on your context, that could be good, but I mean, figuratively. <laughs> figuratively, no, not so much. Mm. Yeah, it's it's ugly. Just like, well, listen here, Jack, this is historic. Joe Biden then took the podium and well, Joe Biden, his way through a uh, prepared speech. Let's be clear. In this historic moment, Democrats sided with the American people and every single Republican in the Congress sided with the special interest in this vote. Very historic. Every single one. In fact, the big Trump company, big drug companies spent nearly $100 million to defeat this bill. $100 million. And remember, Every single Republican in Congress voted against this bill. Every single Republican in Congress voted against lowering prescription drug prices, hmm. against lowering health care costs, against the fairer tax system. Every single Republican, every single one, voted against tackling the climate crisis. How many? Against lowering our energy costs, <laughs> against creating good-paying jobs. My fellow Americans, that's the choice we face. 
we can protect the already powerful or show the courage to build a future where everybody has an even shot. That's the America I believe in. So full of shit. We can protect the all-powerful or we can send the FBI to crush you. Yes. (laughs) Listen... The Republicans voted no because of the right up front $2 trillion in reckless spending when we're already in a recession and the up to $10 trillion this could cost with all the green new initiatives in it up to 10 years. Yeah, and they they act like when they say this shit that it's this one thing. Uh, Yeah. It's this one thing and the Republicans hate it. Republicans hate old people with diabetes. Every single one. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And that's... The only positive thing is that other than the 30-something percent of people who are going to believe everything that the all-powerful television tells them mm-hmm. is that everybody else now is starting to wake up. Yeah. Like the people who were vehemently opposed to Trump are just now, you know what? It was a lot better under him. Definitely, I didn't really like his style. Definitely a lot cheaper. But I don't like this guy's style at all because mm-hmm. this guy has no style. Mm-hmm. He's just like handing our country over to our enemies, handing our finances over to the third most corrupt country in the history of countries mm-hmm. and nothing nothing we're doing is good right now uh, with the 800 million dollars proposed by joe biden today to go over to ukraine we've now reached our border wall total of 16.5 border walls worth of money cash assistance military equipment funding sent over to ukraine since the beginning 16. of the conflict or whatever they're referring mm-hmm. to it as now 16.5 how many feet? How many feet money. tall was the border wall supposed to be? It was supposed to be thirty. Thirty feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be like a sixty-foot wall now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's a proposed before ten feet higher or not. Oh right. Yeah. Matt Gates jumped on with Tucker Carlson to do talk about well the IRS component. Uh, you guys have all seen those training videos from from like the IRS. They're they're active shooter <laughs> training videos this week. Oh boy! I don't know if it's the girl in like the uh, club jeans, the apple bottom jeans, and and, and the boots with the like, fur, or the guy in the wheelchair that can only use one arm. I but cannot. Guess everybody's got to go through it. Somebody, yeah. Somebody's got to do that. Up, I swear, you can't make this shit up. Somebody's got to do that for them. Biden with like uh, the apple bottom docks and. Bike, oh, bikes go. with the clips. <sighs> well, we do have the new mi- mixing station right there. Yeah. Let's hear Matt Gate and Tucker Carlson talk about this. Matt Gates represents the state of Florida in the U.S. Congress. He's one of the very few people who noted this and tried to disarm the IRS. He joins us tonight. It does sound like war on the country. What mm. is this? Bigger than the army of the it U.K.? Sounds like- it sounds like Joe Biden's vision for America is an armed IRS agent in an electric car on an anti-racist road somewhere. And just the lack of self-awareness here is so pronounced. These Biden government officials are making Liz Cheney look humble. I mean, you can't eat your way skinny. You can't drink yourself sober and you can't spend your way out of inflation, which is probably why every Democrat senator from Joe Manchin to even Bernie Sanders is saying that this won't reduce inflation. It does do some very dangerous things. That $25 million you mentioned from the Government Accountability Office exists to ensure that every dollar of this three quarters of a trillion dollars is spent to advance the left's version of equity. Now, that's not equal opportunity 
opportunity, that means no. we all end up in the same place in all of these circumstances. I mean, Tucker, the American people wanted cheap gas, safe streets and a secure border. And instead, we've got a climate core and a war on cow farts and a bunch of bureaucrats yelling at crops <laughs> and farmers, calling them racist. How is that in any way delivering for our country? Yeah, but we do have carried interest still in, in the tax code, which means the richest people pay half the tax rate. Like, what, what is wrong with Joe Manchin? Do you have any idea? Well, if you were wanting to go and forcibly take tax dollars from regular Americans while giving the richest elite a pass, you probably would arm up the IRS. Yeah, and Joe Manchin right. has gaslit this destruction of our country. He owns this decision. But the question is, when Republicans get power, we never decrease spending. But will we put a requirement for color blindness in every bill? If they're going to put this woke social justice in every bill, we have to put in every bill that this government can never ever treat people differently based on the color of their skin. That was the lesson of World War II. Mm. We don't care what your genetics are. Why are genetics the single most important factor in hiring? Like, what? what? <laughs> Congressman Matt Gaetz, I... Mm-hmm. 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 Woke Green New Deal? Yeah. 2.0. It's a diet version of it. Half the cost, but still going to absolutely trounce the American people. Um, and yeah, it's ugly. So, and, and a large majority of that, we touched on it earlier, uh, falls in the failure of the Senate, the Senate Minority Leader, Mitch McConnell, to whip at least one Democrat senator to get off from being on board with this bill. I, I think that's one of the biggest things that, that we kind of missed, but now it's starting to become a little bit more talked about in the news cycle how he may be literally trying to not win back power in the Senate. Like, the House at this point is pretty much a shoo-in. Now it's just how much of a majority are we going to have. Um, but there's a lot of rumor and speculation that because of his unrepairable relationship with Donald Trump and a lot of the platforms that the America First Trump-endorsed senatorial candidates are running on, in addition to the fact that they're all hard nose on him for Senate majority leadership if they take back the House, He's just going to continue to do what he did in the primary elections and funnel money into proxy super PACs to try and tank their campaigns. And we've saw recently Fox News putting out polls that has all of them not winning. Herschel Walker, Blake Masters, uh, Adam Lexalt, uh, Dr. Oz, all underwater, even though it was also revealed this week that Fox News since 2020 has averaged almost nine points margin of error for Democrats in polls. In nine elections. points. Nine points. It was between 7.9 and 9.1. That's their margin of error, as they called. In the last two huge election cycles, 2020 and 2022, in the battleground states, they called Georgia right once. Every other battleground state, they were off between 7.9 and 9.1 points margin of error, plus Democrats. That's not very close. That's embarrassing. And, and those optics, even though we've seemed to uh, break in it a little bit, and the thing is they're, they're not going to be able to steal it like they did because one of the things that I've been watching that I've never watched in elections before, this is going to be like our third election cycle, uh, second major one on steak for breakfast here in the, in the midterms this year, is the amount of people that are coming out across the ticket. So let's say a Republican candidate wins. I go and look immediately how many people came out for the entire Democrat ticket and how much people came out for the entire Republican. Republicans are winning by like, I would say like a third 
of total people coming out. And they're all in battle primaries. Like all these America First candidates that Trump's endorsing, they're throwing four and five people at them in every race. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be their job and President Trump's job, because obviously Mitch McConnell's not all about it, um, to unify those tickets. We've heard in the last couple of weeks people like Carrie Lake really elaborate on that. Like she did her victory lap with it when they found out, you know, what the, what the numbers was. And like one of the next texts from her Twitter account and her truth account was talking about, how hard fought of a battle it is, but it's time to all get together and and do the things we need to do to get this country in the right track. In our last audio clip of the week, um, former high-ranking Trump official Stephen Miller jumped on with Tucker last night as well to talk about a couple different things, but they do get into this Mitch McConnell narrative is where I kind of want to leave it open-ended for our listenership to kind of digest with over the weekend. Let's hear it. Thanks so much for coming on. This seems like the simplest formula ever. Every normal person hates crime. You'd really have to be Kamala Harris to want more crime. Why aren't they running on this? They're not running on it for the reasons you identified. Joe Biden is the most unpopular president in American history. We should be looking at the largest midterm victory for Republicans, likewise, in American history. And instead, the forecasts are shrinking every single day. Why? Because Mitch McConnell isn't interested in running a national referendum that says elect Republicans. And in January, we seal the border. We reform law enforcement to go after criminals, not Republicans. And we end the war on America's children. No, what he wants to do is handpick candidates that he thinks will like Mitch and Mitch will like them. And if that means we have 48 seats or we have 49 seats, so be it. He gets to stay on as majority leader. We are witnessing in real time the greatest self-inflicted wound we have ever seen. If Republicans went out every day and said, we have had more illegal immigrants ever before this year than have been recorded in world history. We have increases in crime in our cities that no civilized nation has ever seen. And if you elect a Republican majority, we will go in in January and we will take the first funding bill and we will attach to it a requirement the border be shut and a requirement that the FBI stop attacking their opponents and start locking up and breaking apart organized crime in America. And you say that in every state and in every congressional district in this country, and you will win a landslide like you have never seen before. But nobody wants to step up and even make that promise. That's exactly right. And actually, there's precedent for it. The largest landslide in the history of the American presidency was 1972 by a candidate who did not win on charm, but won on law and order. Yep. And you can mock Richard Nixon all you want, but he was right. 49 states. That's exactly right. So, again, how dumb are the people who run the party? Well, a lot of people have been drinking the Frank Luntz Kool-Aid. I was a congressional staffer for almost a decade. I went to all of these presentations. So what they do is they sit you down and they say, well, we ran a message. And it says that controlling wasteful Washington spending polls at 95%. To which I would say, you know what else pulls at 95%? I like cotton candy. Uh, I think airplanes are really neat and super cool. Uh, but I enjoy watching movies on Sunday. Mm. None of that gets anybody elected. What gets people elected is pushing messages where there's nowhere to hide. I'm for putting violent criminals behind bars. I'm for deporting exactly. illegal aliens. And you're not, so I win and you lose. That's how you win elections. Yeah. And how about Raphael Warnock? Why don't you explain that video where you seem to be committing spousal abuse? Like, why is that the memory hole? That guy's a U.S. senator. I thought we were against that stuff. Maybe he'll come on and explain it. Stephen Miller, great to see you tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's another thing. We don't talk about Richard Nixon enough on this show. Mm -hmm. Guy won 49 states in the last term. Crazy. You know, listen, 
this stuff that's going on right now has been going on since then. It's just so more magnified. The reach is so much larger. The administrative state is so much bigger and well-funded and deep-rooted in to all every facet of our government. We just can't let these guys sell this ticket up the river. Um, I hope that people like Stephen Miller and Tucker Carlson continue to put the heat on Mitch McConnell because we all know he doesn't love bad press. The guy's 81. This is literally his last term. Trump's going to find a primary challenger regardless, and even if he wants to run again, he has 0% chance of winning his next election. Uh, If he tanks the Senate and we don't win back power in the Senate in this one, I would hate to speculate what's going to become of him. Uh, because his political career is essentially over already, and he needs he should go out with a decent le- legacy. Just don't be an absolute piece of shit and sell this country up the river anymore. Yeah, we're done with that. Yeah, we, we really have the, the opportunity to put the brakes on the Biden administration and really start nailing the screws into him and tell him, guess what? Every single thing you want and every single light that needs to be kept on in this country in regards to the federal government and all of its agencies, they're not going to be staying turned on anymore if you don't start doing things like we need. Like, get the fucking FBI out of normal people's lives for no reason whatsoever. Stop trying to entrap them and entice them to do nasty things so you could build a fake narrative about white nationalism and the non-factor it is to crime in this country and seal the fucking border down. You know, by the time the... By the time we're through the holidays this year, 5 million people would have come unabatedly into this country and just released all over the place. And, and less than a fraction of a fraction of 1% have been sent back. And that's the reality we live in right now, that you can't even concentrate on stuff like crime and open borders because you have to go to the fucking grocery store and pay you know, $10 for something that cost two last year. Mm-hmm. Same thing with gas prices. You know, we don't see any real relief. Gas is still way over five bucks in most parts of San Diego over here. You find like one or two places with the shit gas that you don't even want to put in your car that's under five bucks. And uh, that's just the reality that we're living in. So we have to prioritize. We have to f- sole focus on the midterms. You know, I saw that the, the gang is getting bigger. Uh, Jack Posobiec was up there with Cerno and Matt Walsh and Tim Young and even Raheem last night. And somebody like said something in a comment section where I, I said, like, this rhetoric is inflammatory. They were shitting on Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz actually went on Sean Hannity last night. I encourage anybody to go watch it. It was a solid, not great, solid policy-driven pillars of his campaign platform, direct comparison to him to the brain-damaged socialist who's to the left of Bernie who's running in Pennsylvania, John Fetterman. He gave a solid two and a half minutes last night on Hannity. He's claimed to have done, since the primary election, 160 campaign events so far. John Fetterman's done one. Hmm. People wow. in Pennsylvania don't want that bullshit, but when Jack Posobiec, Tim Young, Matt Walsh, Cernovich, and Raheem are all dogpiling on this guy last night on Twitter, um, yeah, it doesn't help. It's a numbers game. Dr. Oz is the least attractive MAGA candidate probably ever that Donald Trump will king make. But guess what? He's the difference between one Republican or one Democrat in the Senate. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Dr. Oz is assured Donald Trump, number one, he will vote MAGA. Number two, he will vote no Mitch McConnell for senatorial leadership. You don't need him to do anything else. That's basically it. And then in two years, Donald Trump comes in and then vote with his proposals. Vote for the laws that he gets up there and and through the House and to the Senate. The path to an over-60 Senate seat supermajority in 2026 leads through us flipping Pennsylvania, winning in New Hampshire, Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, and all those places where we have Ohio. We need these people in the Senate. And if Mitch McConnell doesn't care because he gets to hold on to Senate minority leadership if we don't win back the Senate, that's fucking trash. They should recall him or, or impeach him now, you know? And, and it's one of those things where 
we as the constituents, as the voter of this country, have to put their feet to the fire. Yeah. Have to really encourage them to do that. And we'll continue to track it over the weekend. I'm hoping after, uh, you know, we're, we're now two weeks out of the Mar-a-Lago raid and these bills are all passed. It's Friday afternoon. Joe Biden's already back on vacation in Delaware. Again? Again. Didn't they talk shit about Trump going golfing all the time? So all weird. Time. And it's weird. He went golfing with, with like, like Brazil's next, president. Next to his house, yeah. though. And Shinzo Abe and, and all these people. You know, he would take world leaders golfing with him. Joe Biden goes bike riding with, like, 400 Secret Service men and, and like, some my pillows to catch him from falling on the ground again. <laughs> it's an embarrassment, but, uh, you know, get ready. We got big, big elections next week. New York, Florida, Donald Trump's made some endorsements there. Not the AOC one, but that was kind of funny. <laughs> and, and he did talk some shit about Jerry Nadler, but all of our senators and, and house people that are, that are up in Florida and, and are up in New York, we need to get behind them and, uh, you know, get them all over the finish line next week. All right. Jump in with us on the show. Now he is the Trump endorsed America first now Republican nominee for the U.S. House seat in Michigan 3. He's joining us again with a huge update. Take a little victory lap. We'll talk to the campaign. Mr. John Gibbs, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. We appreciate you, sir. First of all, congratulations is uh, in hand right now. You had a huge primary victory recently. You uh, got over the finish line and took care of former Trump impeacher, as he puts it, Peter Mayer, uh, is now going to be retired in January. Thanks to you, so congratulations. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It was quite a uh, surreal evening, and... Uh, we knew it would come out, but it was a little bit closer than I expected. That's a good victory, nonetheless, especially considering we were outspent 100 to 1 on external spending and 10 to 1 on hard cash. Uh, so we think this is one, probably one for the history books. But it's uh, thanks to all the people praying and supporting and all our great volunteers and staff. So um, I'm very excited and uh, even more excited about uh, winning in November. No, you know, it's amazing. You ran an amazing campaign. You really got out there and met with all the people. You hit all the towns, all the counties, met face-to-face with so many town hall events. And then, you know, money-wise, you were outspent, like you said, 100 to 1, just unprecedented amount of dollars that were funneled in to the Michigan 3 race. And then we get to election night, and, and you know, it, it did go down to the wire, but you did wind up enjoying, like, at, at the end, a comfortable victory. But I think I just thought it was pretty funny, and it really says a lot about your character. You know, you, you were so good to talk about everything that was going, but in the heat of the moment, you're still you're still putting a couple memes up on your Twitter. I thought that was great. And, and just something like, there there's a, a humorous aspect to all the serious and, like, cerebral things that you bring to the table. It's, like, such a great mix. I think that's probably one of the things that really resonated with the people of uh, Michigan 3. And I think it, it's like Donald Trump. Donald Trump can go and talk business with everybody, but then he can go out there and just throw a little quip and make the audience laugh. And it's like you guys are, like, the apples from the tree of, of, of like, the, the Donald Trump presidency. And it was good to see you uh, get that hard-fought victory. Yeah, thank you. You know, you got to put some humor in, I believe, you know, because it can be so serious and you can kind of sit there all night, you know, while you're trying to sleep thinking about this stuff. So I really like to add a lot of humor into it and uh, have some fun with it while we're also being serious as well at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're going to continue to do that into the general with my uh, opponent, whose name also happens to be Hillary. So imagine the fun we can have with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let's talk about the general election campaign. Obviously, you're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, still talk about all the issues that are prevalent, but the the character and, and kind of profile of the of the campaign opponent changes now on the Democrat uh, side of the ticket. So what can you tell our listenership about some of the differences between you and her? Well, you know, the Republican Party is very diverse. We have socially liberal, socially conservative, libertarians, more folks who believe in government-type solutions. So we got all kinds of folks in our family. But the Democrat side is very lockstep. You know, they're like, boom. So if she gets in there, you can believe she's going to do exactly what Pelosi wants, exactly what Biden wants. 
uh, and that's a high gas prices, high energy prices, more inflation, more critical race theory, more crime, um, all the stuff that Biden and Pelosi are doing, she's going to fall in lockstep with it. And it goes even further than that. You know, in West Michigan, we have great families that have been doing a lot of work to promote educational choice and very conservative causes. You know, we're one of the places in the country that has great wealthy people that are actually on our side for a change. And you better believe that they're going to use Hillary Clinton if she were to win, which won't happen, thankfully, to punish those conservatives who have some means and are using it for a good cause. So they better believe that we're, they're going to come after everything we have in, in our district. So uh, that's really what's at stake here. It's crazy versus normal. 57 genders versus man and woman. You want to spend 60 grand on an electric car or be able to buy a normal car? Uh, you know, do you want critical race theory teaching your kids that they're automatically racist just because they're white? Or do you want fairness where you're just based on the content of your character and how you treat others, not based on the color of your skin? You know, this is not even coming down to, to the old debates we've had 20, 30 years ago. It's literally coming down to absolute insanity, which Hillary's going to stand for, or just normal, basic American common sense, which is what I'm standing for. Now, we know every race and, and every house seat and every state has different sets of rules. Is there anything that is going to bring you guys to the debate stage as, like, mandatory, or is that something that you guys have to set up and hopefully have at least one before the general election? Well, we've got one that's going to be scheduled, so that's going to be here maybe in a month, plus or minus, but I actually want to do a series of debates. So we're going to see if we can get the moderator to agree to do more than one, if not get another moderator who might be able to do more than one for us. So I'd like to get a series of them in there, but we do have at least one together for the time being. And it's not really a debate. By the way, it's more of a what they call a roundtable. Right. We don't have an audience that can ask questions, unfortunately. But uh, the one that I did last time with Peter Meyer turned out fairly well. The moderator, it's the same one. He's pretty fair. So um, I'll take the one we have now, and we're going to push very aggressively for a series of them. What are some of the things that you need uh, from our listenership? Uh, you, you just went through a massive primary where so much money was spent on it, and you guys – I wouldn't say ran on bare bones, but you guys ran with what's normal. It's just that you were up against, you know, a billionaire and his money machine, and now you're running into a race in the general election against a Democrat. And if that's a seat that they really don't want you to sit in, then they're going to pour even more money into that race. What can you tell our listenership for the ones living in state right now and in your district and then for our national listening audience? I would say for those in the district, you can sign up to volunteer, especially door knocking. That's something we're going to need. We're going to need phone banking, so if you can uh, get on the phone and make calls for us, we can set you up with that. Uh, we also, for everyone across the country and in district as well, we need prayers. Go to the website, you can sign up for our prayer team and get prayer updates. And, of course, we're going to need money. The Democrats, uh, as you said, they're going to pour lots of resources into this. It'll be futile because they're not going to win it, but they are going to pour lots of resources in, so I need those resources as well. My opponent is already running TV commercials, which is relatively unprecedented. Mm. So we need to have the money to be able to get my name out there, run TV, radio, send out mailers. So if people could send in even 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever you can, uh, you can go to votejohngibbs.com. That's votejohngibbs.com. Um, any amount that people could send in would be good. It'd help us to have some parity and being able to get my name out there. Uh, we, uh, we are looking at our numbers right now. We just did some, some more polling. We're in very good shape uh, as I get my name out there. So, I think we're in a very good position here. So, yeah, folks can go to votejohngibbs.com and donate if they want or sign up for the prayer list. Or if they're local, sign up to uh, knock doors or uh, join our uh, phone banking team or uh, even just receive the newsletter. So, yeah, those are all ways people can get involved. Absolutely. It sound, it's so great that you have that prayer component to it. I don't think enough candidates harness that extra thing. You know, it, it – it, gives more of a direct connection between you and the people that are directly involved with your campaign and everyone that's supporting with it. I think it's uh, something that we don't see enough and definitely glad that you, you talk about that. And then 
just in general for coming on board and jumping with you. If you if you're out in the area and, and want to go and help John and his campaign to de- to defeat the uh, Democrat challenger here, you got to imagine the kind of fun just based off the memes and all the cool places that you guys go that you would have uh, being a campaign staffer for John Gibbs. What what are some of the good things that you guys are doing down there now? Oh, we're uh, continuing to do door knocking. Uh, we were at a parade last Saturday, pouring rain. Nice. We still had about 30 volunteers come out. So we got to meet lots of folks in the community. Um, there's a little meme I'm playing around with called Not Another Hillary. Um, <laughs> so uh, we may do some T-shirts on that if we, we think it'll go well. So um, another fun one I had, which is uh, yeah, having kind of a picture of me, then it would say, Black Lives Matter, vote John Gibbs. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like it. There's, there's a lot of material here to work with. So uh, that's kind of fun. People will be exposed to They hang out with us. In addition to all the hard work we're doing, you know, we have to make sure we've got enough yard signs and hats and T-shirts and the events are scheduled. We're doing three town halls next week. We'll be doing probably at least three a week here and out. That's great. People can come and ask any kind of questions they want. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really good environment for those who want to uh, volunteer who are local. Uh, but if you're not local, again, prayer, donations, um, those those are appreciated as well. But, yeah, it's, it's fun either way. Yeah, it certainly is. John, can you give us your campaign website one more time and then your social medias? Yep, that's votejohngibbs.com. votejohngibbs.com. You can find me on Twitter at uh, votejohngibbs. But uh, my website does link to all the socials. So if you go to the website, you'll be able to quickly see everything we're doing on social. So that's votejohngibbs.com. We'll live link them in the show description today and continue to help support your campaign along the way. Obviously, we're going to be looking to uh, sit back uh, probably one more time before the general election, and we want to wish you the best of uh, health and luck out there on the campaign trail. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. We appreciate you. This is the America First Trump Endorse nominee Republican Party for U.S. Michigan House 3. John Gibbs, thanks for jumping on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was great. Take care. Not too shabby of a way to end the week. What do you think, Noah? Had worse. Had better. Nope. I like it. Okay, yes. And if you like this episode and want to hear the other 161 episodes of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, you can find us across every downloadable platform imaginable. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our amazing guests today, Big Three off the Michigan ticket, Christina Caramo, Matthew DiPerno, and John Gibbs. In addition to him, special guest appearance by Georgia senatorial candidate Herschel Walker. And then some of our internet friends, Hugh White Memes, the Patriotic Babies account, Mr. Garbaggio, and Christina Bob of Save America. Don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. Speaking of which, my pillow. I was just notified via email that my Airlandell version 2s have arrived. I'll be wearing them in studio on Tuesday, and we'll be giving a full breakdown of their comfort level and my pillowness. And a promo code to take a checkout. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website for anything sleep-related. If you want the discount on my coffee, enter the same promo code at mystore.com forward slash steak. Odyssey, the top tier of ear gear. I couldn't imagine doing this podcast at the level we're doing it right now without these headphones. What do you think, Noah? Those other ones used to hurt my ears a lot. A lot. I used to get headaches. The pads were too small. These are absolute top tier of ear gear. Cadillacs. Got to make that investment. Get your ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. 
Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade, and he's got a pretty simple equation to get all of your gun-related needs taken care of. Firearms, parts, accessory, most importantly, ammo. New the redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay ready, gear holsters. What do we got this week? What are we putting on there? Hmm. Drawing a blank. You know what? John Gibbs' Jesus piece? Yes, John Gibbs in the hoodie with the Jesus piece. It may look like the cover of a 90s Death Row Records album cover. However, he is the House candidate, Republican nominee, Trump endorsed in Michigan 3. It's great sitting down with him again. Stay ready gear holsters. will put that image on a concealed Kydex carry holster. They'll get those orders out faster than ever before as well. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Man rubs. Love it. Had the little uh, pork butt especial the other day, and uh, it went well because I bought it, shook it, sprinkled it, rubbed it, went into the slow cooker, or as I like to consider the cooking apparatus of my choice. About six hours later, I shredded it, drizzled it in barbecue sauce, and then went right into my mouth. Num, num, num. Mm-hmm. Manrubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Mediocre Medic for all those first responders' needs. You're going to like the gear they've got going on down there, and you're going to like their Instagram a little bit better. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair, home of the zero fucks duck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Upcoming shows. We're going to be back in here Tuesday with our big roundtable panel. Former chief of staff to the DOD, Cash Patel. Former congressman, Devin Nunes, will be joining us for a segment. Next Friday, we've got a good one so far. We're going to be sitting down and circling back with the uh, Arizona 2 U.S. House Republican nominee, Kelly Cooper. We'll be taking a victory lap with us, and we're going to have an exclusive segment with the Raw Egg Nationalist and Norbin Laden. Looking down the road a little bit, Jim Bognett's scheduled to come in with a campaign update in Pennsylvania 8th. On the 6th of September, in addition to him next month, we're going to be getting together with Christina Bob, former Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller. Oh. Blake Masters, Adam Lexalt, Vish Burra, Julie Kelly. And I just found out today that we've connected with and we'll be having on soon one of Trump's other lawyers. Not cheating. We're just friends. Alina Habba. She'll be joining us as well. Friends of the Week, got a big old list right here. Of course, our True Social Twitch streamers, Beastie Man 420, CSM Master, Siberian Kitty, American Nintendo, and Burger Man. In addition to that, thanks for all the shares on True Social this week from Some Call Me Tim 79. And then we've got some of the outstanding members of our meme community Real Brenda Memes, Grand Old Memes, Madam America, Namrock Namrock, Mostly Peaceful, The Real Meme DeLorean, Stolen Valor Forever. What I mean to say, Twitter account still locked. Excellent job. Not far out. Machiavelli memes. Hispanics for DeSantis. We'll just throw the whole rest of the friend zone meme share in there. Guys, thanks to remember between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. This is one of the first places you heard about Mitch McConnell's plans to uh, sabotage taking control of the Senate back in November. Remember, if you're not reading between the lines and seeing what's really going on, you're not going to find out what's really going on. Do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. Noah? Should be all right today. I like it. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We don't talk about it enough. It's definitely time. We talk about it enough on this show, just in general. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. 
This has been episode 162 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back with 163 on Tuesday. We've got Devin Nunez and Cash Patel lined up to join us. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and take care. She stepped in the other room to answer the phone. Stelter, there it is. Oh my God. I mean, that is a horror movie cover. Seriously, he is scarier looking than it the clown. I mean, would you let your children anywhere near that psychopath? I mean, that is a psychopath right there. I mean, look at him. God. Oh, I mean, it's it just, it cries out danger, danger, alert, alert. I am a scumbag. I am filth. I am your enemy. I, I would literally not be able to finish my dinner if some, if somebody walked over and talked to me that looked like these two guys. And I'm sorry, they're not just lying anti-American scumbags that want to run us all on the ground because they're little men. They're pieces of crap. They think they're better than everybody. That's what it's about. It's the spirit of evil and we must break them. <sighs> I've tried to do joke photos like this to look disingenuous and I can make any face I want to. I can't pull it off. Because the eyes, Chico, it's always in the eyes. Oh, 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 my gosh. Oh, hell on earth. He wants to run your life. He wants to control every aspect of your life because he knows he is a cowardly, degenerate sack of anti-human trash. I pledge before my heavenly Father that I I, 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 I that I will resist them every way I can. These people are the literal demon spawn of the pit of hell. Look at him, and you know what? He is better than you if you keep letting him run your life. He runs your kids. He runs the schools. He runs the banks. This guy, this spirit, this smiling, leering devil that thinks you can't see what he is. He is your enemy. Period. All the narcissistic devil worshiping filth. <sighs> I see you, enemy. I see you, enemy. 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 You are my enemy. And I swear total resistance to you with everything I've got. Disingenuous, fake, false, broke back, twisted a defiler, a betrayer, a backstabber, a devil. You will pay. Yeah, you think I don't see your face, scum? You don't think I don't see you, Stelter? I see you, you understand me? I know what you think of me and my family. I see you right back. You understand that? You understand that, Stelter? <sighs> humanity down. God is going to destroy you. Get him off the screen. Oh God, they're so evil. Just please, God, free us from them. They're drunk on our children's blood, for God's sake.